Well, I mean, and there was a point also where Barrett and I uh, were dancing, and we floated up into the air, and <laughs> I threw Chris up I'm in the air, you. and he started it dancing. It was crazy, like, man. Gave me chills. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All those school children were like, "How are they making that happen?" Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinemasins joined as always by the voice of cinemasins jeremy scott you sound like you're from london oh yeah. nice <laughs> yep that's what you came up that's, that's what right. i came up. told you i didn't plan ahead of time <laughs> and from music video sends barrett share hello world Hello, world. Yeah. Hello. Indeed, I like that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going to go back to our road trip. Road trip. Road trip. On the road again, California, here we come. Oh, the places you'll go. California, California, Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Road trip. One of the things I was thinking about on my way here, we're doing California today. Yep. Which is a massive state for this particular kind of discussion that we've been having. And we mm-hmm. probably won't even scratch the surface. Uh, we're going to try and take extra time. You notice there's only one state instead of two today. Right. That's how many films are California. set in California. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about how many great songs are, are about California. <laughs> More than any other state. Again, what immediately comes to mind? Well, California Dreaming by the Mamas oh. and Papas. California Girls. California Love. California by Phantom Planet. California by Tom Petty. Wow. Hotel and, California. Uh, it took that long to get to Hotel California because that was the first one that popped in my head. That's because you're old. Yeah, and so. then uh, the song that uh, popped into my head was Local H's California Songs, which lament, oh. which basically says, I am tired of California songs. Interesting. It's like, please no more California songs. <laughs> and then it's yeah, like, yeah. and then it's like, and fuck New York too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, just uh, this, this, besides the obvious where you know the movie is shot on in a studio in california there are a great many that use california and the cities as backdrops and i think we're going to focus mostly on that today yeah not really go through all the stuff that was actually shot in california because we die yeah (laughs) (laughs) in fact i think i said in my notes at least for mine I i was mostly trying to find films where the the california city or the state uh, feels almost like a character or almost like a, a really important aspect of the story mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's where i sort of focused and and that's why a movie like um the fan yeah. <laughs> is not gonna make my list <laughs> right because even though it does take place in san francisco it could just as easily take place in boston i thought it was in new york actually no it's the san francisco giants really yep. yeah yeah oh. Well, there you go. Yeah, Wesley Snipes, <laughs> former Atlanta Brave in the fan, yeah. uh, gets uh, get, has a, is a free agent or traded to San Francisco or whatever. And he slumps. Yeah, and he slumps. He hey, slumps. Bobby! <laughs> Robert De Niro from yeah. the stands. Hey, Bobby! Um, yeah, so I think the first thing that immediately comes to my head with California are some comedies like clueless and fast times at ridgemont high both amy heckerling movies yeah which is Um, crazy yeah um uh especially in clueless where i think the dialogue and all the 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 locations and everything are so california it's also 90s as fuck too that's true but uh but uh 
you can't even imagine clueless being anywhere else it's it's got to be like a beverly hills uh, yeah, high school exactly it's thing. sort of well and i think again because of when it came out uh i think it's sort of skewing skewering like that 90210 melrose place kind of crowd that mm. you know the really rich well you know california <laughs> rick kardashian type people right yeah. right um sorry kardashians no offense i know you listen regularly <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah no i think uh another one um uh, it's ladybird is set in california right from mm-hmm. this year no nominate is i don't think that would be called a comedy though even though i think there are laughs it's, there. it's, uh, a, it's huh? a drama that has comedy in it yeah and that's in sacramento which is very cool because you don't get a lot of shit from sacramento if no. you're gonna no. be in california it's gonna be san diego or L.A. or San Francisco, and yeah. that's basically it. But the, like you said, the state is massive, and it as these you know that's the capital of Sacramento, and you don't see that many stories coming from it. But it does play a role as a character in Lady Bird because she wants to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, right. Right. isn't that interesting? How the capital of California and the capital of New York are basically like how did they become the capital if they're like <laughs> yeah not the the real like where everybody wants to be and all that other times of course i'm probably offending all the sacramento people out there but like and all the albany people right and all the albany people <laughs> uh speaking of san diego we got the anchorman movies there yeah I don't san diego i think you probably could have set that somewhere else and it would have been fine but the movie goes out of its way to make san diego a kind of a part of the location oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. the story and even you know the i guess the unoffensiveness of <laughs> the culture around there um and i love me some anchorman yeah, yeah there's so much number two it's not oh yeah no kidding you're, you're exactly right san diego is like considered i think like the most perfect place in the u.s right because it's supposed to be like 72 every day of the year there it's sun shining all the time and it's idyllic so the comedy being you know kind of imprinted on there right uh makes more of an impact because it stands out more yeah i agree mm-hmm. yeah um and then you know there are there are movies obviously shot in L.A. that do have L.A. as the character and everything. Heat, mm-hmm. L.A. Confidential, yeah. La La Land, all of those movies have, they have to be in L.A. They have to be right. Uh, you could you could stage like a, a Heat in some other city in America, but it wouldn't have that kind of. What is it about? It's it's not big enough if it's at, if it's yeah. anywhere else, unless, certain, unless it's New York or something. Well, even in New York, I think would feel too cramped for heat. There's a certain sprawl of the big city that yeah. makes heat work, right? Uh, and you wouldn't get that in New York, especially the where they're at the the shipyard, whatever the hell they are. When oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pacino is like, you know, you know what they're looking at. They're looking at us, yeah. LAPD. <laughs> Smile, motherfuckers. You know all that type of stuff. We've um, just been made. We've just been made, and uh, and and so yeah, that wouldn't work as a New York thing. I mean, they try to do that occasionally in New York type of things where they're like on some dock in Brooklyn or something yeah. like that, and it's like it it doesn't have that still doesn't have that spread out feel of it or anything. Um, L.A. Confidential for sure yeah. has L.A. as a huge like it's such a huge backdrop that like you know the movie industry is is represented in there they've got hookers that are cut to look like movie stars they've got yeah it, 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 the the way the the cops are it's like uh they they feel like it's a tv show and of course the kevin spacey character is actually uh doing some sort of like uh consulting for right. this for this dragnet type show or whatever uh but uh la confidential man that's that's a love letter to la even yes, though it it's a dark seedy underbelly and everything underbelly well in la la land i don't think you obviously couldn't exist anywhere else nope um that's just gotta be 
in Hollywood. And that's maybe one of the biggest, like, things that people don't like about the film is that it's maybe a little too in love with Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, it wears its heart on its sleeve. Sure. Which works for me. I mean, that's perfectly fine. They, the whole Griffith Observatory stuff, which we actually went to when we were out in L.A., mm-hmm. is just so fucking magical. It's magical because there's no way it would have and happened. And there was a... <laughs> Well, I mean, and there was a point also where Barrett and I uh, were dancing, and we floated up into the air, and <laughs> I threw Chris up I'm in the air, you. and he started it dancing. It was crazy, like, man. Gave me chills. Yeah, exactly. All those school children were like, "How are they making that happen?" Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's like, "I don't know." Jeremy was singing "City of Stars." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Watch CinemaSins. Right. <laughs> um, oh, I love it though, man. Like I, I went back to La La Land, and we had kind of maybe soured on it a little bit because I think. Jeremy and I both saw it a lot, like in a short period of time. But uh, there's just parts of that that's just so it's awesome. It's magical. Well, its opening number, I don't think even works without L. A. No, definitely not because it's a it's a big, huge traffic snarl, and I'm sure. I mean, hell, in Nashville, we have traffic snarls, but not like L.A. No, does. no, <laughs> no, like, no, Even today, I was driving, and it took me 45 minutes to get to somewhere, and oh. I was like, jeez, uh, Christ, what is going on? But like L.A., like, yeah, you could probably have a whole fucking musical <laughs> and not move one inch you know, and while, you're, while you're in traffic there. Man, I was driving down here today, and I saw a bunch of taillights in front of me, and I was like, oh, no, I wonder if there's a wreck. I'm, I'm driving. I shouldn't do this, but I pull out my phone, pull up my Google maps and i swear to god the interstate in front of me was like black and i was like oh god i gotta get off the road so I, I got off the road i made my way here on the back road i've never seen that color so dark <laughs> anyway the- jerry's like veering off <laughs> i, I off changed people. like four lanes in five seconds and uh and and sticking sticking with la because i mean yeah after, after all i mean la is going to be the main focus of most of these but uh i like these movies about making movies yeah. too oh the, yeah the player is a huge i love this movie so much i've seen it probably 30 times it's oh really a, yeah i've seen it a bunch um the player is great and uh and hail caesar which has kind of gotten this weird i don't know it's a it's a bit of a cult uh to watch to love hail caesar it's, i haven't heard one thing either way really i really? think a lot of people are just like oh yeah, right. it, I was pretty meh. I didn't hate it, didn't love it. Really, I, yeah. I liked it a lot. I know you guys both liked it more. <laughs> yeah, than I, I did. I did like it a lot, and and I don't. I really don't have an explanation. It's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, come on, you gotta love this movie. I'll anyway. tell you why. It's because it's very Coheny. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is otherwise like a straightforward kind of send up of the the golden era, but like all the stuff. With Clooney being turned on to communism, yeah. and like uh, Josh Brolin's just kind of like, kind of like little things that they contribute to his character. The way it's shot is just very Coheny to me, and I love it, man. I love the Channing Tatum dance number. Um, yeah, what is it like Just Us Dudes or something? I like was that? pretty bored think, by that. <laughs> yeah, you were pretty bored by that. I was really. Uh, also, Bowfinger. If we're going to talk about yeah. uh, L.A. movies about making movies, uh, and there are again several set pieces that that movie ends at the Griffith Observatory. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, where they finally get caught. Um, and thank God Eddie Murphy's character shows his thing to the Laker girl, so that they're <laughs> able to get that movie released. <clears throat> yep. Uh, anyway, uh, I love me some Bowfinger. Yeah. Um, uh, also, if you want to, if you want to go to uh, popular entertainment, Terminator and Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah. Terminator Big, Two is iconically LA. Yes, because of that 
concrete river yes and they even in uh i believe it's term the first terminator they go through like streets and stuff like you know he's turned on olympic and yeah. all that you know they're like very conscious about making this an la type of movie and yeah terminator 2 for sure is like a is like a big like that you know that aqueduct scene and everything is iconic mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know and every time you go to la you can't you can't go anywhere without running into one of those aqueducts. Yeah. And, and you're like, think of Terminator 2. Maybe Terminator 2 was shot there. I don't know. It's a such, lot of aqueduct, but it's such a one? weird use of geography. They call that the LA River. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet it's dry 80% of the time, mm-hmm. I guess. It's mostly for runoff from, I think, the snow peaks nearby. I think it's mostly for filming chase scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Point Break? <laughs> yeah. In Greece? <laughs> yeah, Greece. Uh, Greece, they have that beautiful uh, race in mm-hmm. the in the middle of the well, other Well, even... Um, even the Italian job mm-hmm. remake, um, part of their chase scene is in the L.A. River. Yeah. And that, that movie is pretty solidly L.A. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So what what are some of the San Francisco was obviously uh, shot a ton yeah. in California, too. And in fact, every time a movie's in San Francisco, they have to have a set piece on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yep. It is always there. Like, I don't I don't blame you. I'd want to shoot it, too. But good God, <laughs> yeah. leave the Golden Gate alone once well, in a while. Yeah. And then there are movies that I think are much more, you know, really set, truly set in San Francisco mm-hmm. and are not just like landmark shopping yeah. with b-roll like something like soy mayor and an axe murderer yeah where we not only get you know some of that but we get the hilly streets and we get the local culture and we go out to alcatraz mm-hmm. and that, that movie is all about being in san francisco yeah and can you imagine san francisco in the 90s because i you had to imagine that they would have like those giant cappuccino mugs and everything and those yeah. little like neo beat clubs and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. um what a that'd be a fun time to like be around that scene i think yeah you know before all the tech bros came in there yeah yeah, yeah. and all the homeless people yeah, yeah. well i think maybe they were there in san francisco think- in the 90s too <laughs> maybe that's part of the problem so san francisco has just never cared about the homeless it's possible i don't know and also you've got the rock yeah in san francisco yeah man uh i think every like you're saying every uh movie has to have the Golden Gate Bridge. Every movie has to have that super bumpy road. Mm-hmm. Did you drive down that? It's like the hilliest or curviest road in the U.S. or no, something like that. I haven't ever done that. Uh, there's one that's the curviest. Like you can't go more than like five miles an hour or yeah. something like that. And then there's one like the one that Nick Cage chases after Sean Connery yeah. and that's super bumpy and everything. Yeah. Um. You have the uh, the new Planet of the Apes movies are all San Francisco, and I think that's that's very solidly a San Francisco movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, you know, they do use the Golden Gate. It's always a sort of a barrier, the, the Golden yeah. Gate. They don't use it just as a prop. They use it as a barrier to where all the apes are and where all the humans yep. are and everything and uh and and the mere woods and all that that's yep. another big thing that that's in there so we went there yeah absolutely didn't see any apes nope i think like that trilogy is really expertly sequential like i i think i could watch sit down and watch all three of those in a row and be like wowed yeah mm-hmm. um because they all fit the same look they all fit the same narrative style i haven't gotten back and watched the first one uh but I think the effects pretty much hold up. In Dawn, they certainly do. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen Rise in a good few years. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking they probably will hold up pretty well. Maybe some of the stuff when Caesar's really little mm. uh, might look a little goofy. Yeah, yeah. Those are, that's probably the only place where it may 
falter a bit yeah. but everything else where they get like just the hairs just right yeah. and all that are, is pretty amazing um uh, also one of our favorite sneakers is in sneakers. san francisco one yeah. of a few Bay. movies to give love to the bridges besides just the yeah. golden gate right yeah there's that whole segment where they're trying to figure out where he was taken and they're like well did you go over a bridge and he's like yes and then they're like well golden was the golden gate fogged in last night yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right scratch the golden gate right and then they talk about the bay bridge and what's the other one they mentioned san mateo I yeah think. san mateo uh anyway um <clears throat> dunbarton 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 yeah, yeah. anyway um yeah, that'll be some sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> that was on the other day. I can't not watch that Me when neither. it's on. Um, and I was telling Chris, uh, I, I always forget that opening. I, I almost never catch the first five, ten minutes. I usually catch it somewhere somewhere along the line where the, the CIA guys have come to hire them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I always forget he falls in the bank when they're running because the guy in front of him <laughs> jumps up and just like single hops the teller. Uh, what's it called? Table or whatever. Uh -huh. Robert Redford just face plants. <laughs> uh, it just mixes the humor with the thriller aspect so deftly. So few movies have. You break into people's places <laughs> to see that if people can't break into their places, it's a living. Not a very good one. Yeah, I love how bitchy that girl is. Yeah. She's like, I'm handing you this check. You don't make very much money. And I've always, I've always wondered what that check amount was for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> I bet it would still be like the kind of money that I'd be like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. But you think about all the gear and the time, and he's got to split it with seven people. It might not be a very good living. Right. Who knows? You know what's a jarring-ass moment in that movie is when Sidney Poitier is... He kicks the guy's ass and he's like, motherfuckers mess with me, I split your hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, the that, 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 that comes out of nowhere. I think they, well, I sort of think they hinted at it. You know, they, all they ever do is talk about his time at the CIA, his time at the CIA. Why'd you have to leave the CIA? Mm -hmm. No one ever talks about why he left the CIA. And then we get this moment, and I think yeah. you can extrapolate. <laughs> he probably went off on that's, someone. That's true. And got honorably yeah. discharged. It's like, it just get, out of nowhere has this racist tent that comes comes out of nowhere oh yeah oh, like <laughs> you like, too midnight yeah, you're seriously. like what the fuck <laughs> all bad guys have to be racist <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what else is in san francisco there's um well there's the museums and the fisherman's war um, <laughs> <laughs> well the first thing that came to my mind is probably not qualifying for our criteria but inside out is san francisco mm, yeah uh, and also uh, big hero six i think plays a lot with san francisco as a locale yeah. even though they make it half tokyo half san francisco yeah definitely and, there. and there's a quite a bit of good uh crime stuff going on in the san francisco like get the dirty harry movies yep. are all in there zodiac oh, oh yeah. yeah is another one basic instinct is basic instinct yeah san francisco is a huge character in that movie yeah yeah um uh one one we didn't Wait, talk let me ask you about basic instinct yeah okay is that a good movie mm, it's depends. a it's a tough one to define isn't it because it was made to be a titillating, you know, like, I don't know, boner movie. I've got a weird thing with Paul Verhoeven. 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 I don't know if I like any of his movies. You don't like? Total Recall, yeah. You don't like Robocop? Nah. Like, mm. you know, I, I understand. And I know you don't like Starship Troopers. No. Like, and I've, I've tried to watch it, you know, ironically and in a different lens and like, you know, parody and things like mm. that. And it's just, I don't know, Man. I don't know if I get him. Starship Troopers was on a couple weeks ago when I watched it, and I liked it even more. Yeah, me too. Um, here's the thing about his movies. For the most part, they really try to both be 
what they appear to be on the surface and making fun of yeah. what they appear to be on the surface. They want to draw that line between realism and camp, and it just sometimes works better than others. My response to you on Basic Instinct is if you're watching it for a crime thriller, no, it's terrible. Okay, If you're yeah, watching yeah. it for a campy sex movie, yeah. then it's awesome. Yeah, That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, because if you watch Basic Instinct, you realize zero people in this movie are professional in their job. <laughs> That is the worst fucking part. By the way, is, uh, Catherine Trammell, is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when they're riding back with uh, with Michael Douglas and his partner, and she's in the back seat, and he's like, you like messing with people's minds, don't you? And she's like, I have a bachelor in psychology. That's what I do. I'm like, fuck you, yeah, man. a bachelor's. <laughs> you went to fucking like four different classes and got a major in fucking psychology, so now you can fuck with people? Right. So, no, you, you, you either you cannot have that and still fuck with people. Right. You can be a fucking PhD and still fuck with people. That has nothing to do with this. Exactly. Did uh, you see, uh, aside, sorry, did you see this article, interview two days ago, yesterday, where Jennifer Lawrence apparently dropped out of middle school? She never oh, finished yeah, high she school. Oh, yeah, she was 14. Really? She no went to GED. Thought she would t be better off teaching herself. No, she was 14 when she moved to New York. I actually heard her on uh, Mark Maron's WTF. That's uh, that's podcast. that's where she said it. Yeah. And uh, and she she moved at 14 to New York and uh, and uh, I she auditioned for some play or something. I can't remember what it was. She's from Kentucky, like around. She's Louisville, from Louisville. Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and yeah, 14 years old. She was that's in New insane. York. Should, have you ever? considered when she talked like she comes off pretty intelligent yeah. she doesn't come off like somebody who not only just didn't go to college or maybe dropped out of high school dropped out of middle school yeah at seventh grade the balls and she can fuck with people's minds too I even without a bachelor's right. sick when i was in seventh grade but yeah think about all the think about all the stuff that happens in basic instinct you have you know michael douglas has been like doing coke and <laughs> and he's an alcoholic and all that uh, you have his uh, girlfriend, Jean Triplehorn, is this cop psychologist who decides to fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> you have uh, you, you have the 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 main guys who are above Michael Douglas, who are all like very shady. Wayne uh, the, the Wayne Knight's character is deciding I'm going to look up this girl's dress while we, <laughs> while we interrogate her because after all she is giving us a peek we might as well yeah. you know do it oh, um, she's like on a stage or something like that yeah, yeah it's like a framing device for an interrogation so yes I I enjoy Basing Instinct because it is so super silly it's like it this is a world that just doesn't exist i mean maybe it does in some some place you know? <laughs> but uh but yeah and then they they have like you know there's like six or seven really long sex scenes in the movie yeah. which you will never see again uh in in movies it, that stuff basically went to straight to video type stuff yeah. after basic instinct and maybe showgirls although it was happening right after basically you started going to the video store and it was always like animal instincts and like you know like, basic you know, pleasures basic pleasures yes you know sex movie you know and it was just like uh and it was always you know these these other these actresses became softcore porn stars basically hey uh speaking of michael douglas in san francisco the game takes yeah, place. There. yeah i just caught this a uh, couple days ago it's I like the the lost day David Fincher movie, and I think David Fincher fans remember it and like it, but the general public, it feels like the one of his movies that doesn't ever get talked about. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. It's really solid. I, I love mean, the game. It's and pretty preposterous, but yeah. 
If you don't care about that, uh, it's a really fun. And ride. by the mm-hmm. way, do you think that maybe possibly the may, the the creators of Game Night have sort of constructed a comedy version of? This? I actually think the creators of Game Night watched the game and Bill Murray's The Man Who Knew Too Little back to back. Uh-huh. And, just, and got inspired. Yeah, there was a lot of the game in Game Night. So we've Even, all seen Game Night? No, I, I have, but oh, I have Motherfucker Barrett. Sorry. Well, it's going to be my recommend later. Um, ah. A little preview for you. But, uh, and uh, we're, we're talking about uh, crime thrillers and everything. One that we forgot was Chinatown for L.A. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chinatown is uh, L.A. as fuck, too. It is. very much requires the backdrop of L.A. because it's it's talking about droughts and stuff like that and redirecting the water to this one neighborhood so that this one guy can all get all his money. Uh, guy who's fucking his daughter. Yeah, guy who's fucking his daughter. Yeah. Uh, little girl good at math. And uh, <laughs> By the way, my cousin... T- said on twitter that when i described that sugar mountain movie i had him at accidental incest (laughs) 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 sorry i keep distracting us Um, uh yeah no chinatown's great and that's one of those classics that i didn't i didn't get around to until just a handful of years ago and i was blown away how good it is that's how you make a movie where the villain's plan involves real estate mm -hmm. exciting yeah and you should take note superman (laughs) <laughs> superman 2 whichever it's, one it is. Uh, it's slow it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a fairly slow or deliberate movie but yeah i think most of the good like detective noir kind of stuff is yeah no i agree uh and roman polanski has this ability because rosemary's baby is you know kind of slow mm-hmm. there's there's shots that just go on like when they keep coming over to her apartment and stuff like that those conversations last a little bit longer than you'd think, but it all works together. I mean, they're they're all enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, he's just a terrible person, but the, the movies are really <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just to tie up, like, Northern California, just outside of uh, San Francisco is Sideways in wine country. Yeah, yeah. Since we I talked just, about L.A. Confidential, we should talk about Sideways. I just yeah. watched Sideways yesterday. <laughs> if they would play L.A. Confidential every other day on one of the movie channels, I would watch it regularly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact is they play Sideways on, they were, it was on Showtime for three months, and now it's on Stars. It's like every other day, I'm like, yeah, it's going to win out over almost any other channel. Yeah. yeah. Side- Anytime you drop into that, you can you can enjoy yeah. yourself. Yeah, Sideways definitely, uh, it's one of the rare movies where we get to see California countryside and everything as the backdrop. As they go through wine country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Stand have you ever been through wine with... country, Jerry? I have not. And um, I stopped drinking wine a few weeks ago. <laughs> this is not the time to go. So this is going to not be a good time to go. Uh, but someday I would like to go. I think um, I think I finally got into a place with, with my understanding and appreciation of wine. Because early on in my wine days, I just didn't have any kind of palate. And now I barely do. Like, he put me up against, like, a sommelier or whatever, and he's gonna kick my ass and hate me shame me <laughs> but i think i could enjoy a wine country trip on another level now mm-hmm. um and I, I i sure think one of the reasons i love sideways so much is sort of living vicariously through them because you get kind of two perspectives on wine country you get miles's this is a guy who goes up here all the time he's a regular at this restaurant in wine country and he just he knows all about wines and pinot but you also have his friend jack who doesn't know shit about wine and on the way up he asks a question and like miles is like don't ask shit like that when we get up there (laughs) you look like an idiot uh where is he where is he from where do they live are they in san San diego san diego yeah okay they live in san diego they drive up to wine country um and uh have an adventure yeah and one of them has lots of sex (laughs) yep are you chewing gum (laughs) 
so yeah paul thomas anderson uh nearly everything except phantom thread yeah i was actually surprised to learn that when phantom thread came out that that was his first movie outside of california yeah whoa really yeah um although uh heart eight i think is a vegas um it's mostly vegas Mm. uh and they may go somewhere else at some point in that but we don't people don't typically bring up heart eight for some reason for paul thomas anderson it's easy to think boogie nights is his debut uh, but people treat Heart Eight like it was this EP. Yeah, but yeah. his first studio release. <laughs> yeah, and, Nights. and yeah. it's weird. Like Heart Eight is really good. It's just that it was. It's one of those sort of forgotten '90s indies that came out, and and but it's. It, I would definitely recommend it, even though it's not a California movie. We'll get to it, I guess, when we go to Nevada, and that's another one that's going to have. Like, oh yeah, oh, nothing yeah. but Vegas all exactly. over the place. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, Boogie Nights. Uh, we're talking about in you know we've we're, you know movies about movies and everything. This is about when porn was being shot as actual films. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were trying to like. There's a sort of like and not not uh, ironic. Uh, character with burt reynolds who really believes he's making art yeah he's an author with this stuff yep. you know well to um, the point where he doesn't even want to go to videotape right like when the industry and the finances sort of dictate it he's like he's almost like one of those you know like spielberg i'm gonna shoot on film i'm not moving to digital no i mean what a weird time to be alive where the only way that you could consume pornography is to get off your ass and, and go into a yes, theater with theater. other dudes and, and maybe women and just <laughs> watch people fucking. It's like, it, it seems obviously so foreign to us now, and of course well, we're old, but still. Yeah, you see it in Not Taxi Driver. You see yeah. De Niro bringing Sybil Shepard to the to the porn theaters. Yeah. Like I don't know anything about movies, but you know, <laughs> I like these movies. I like these movies. I mean, this is not so bad. And like, <laughs> and. Uh, and and then uh, the stories that come out about Deep Throat and everything about how like there were lines around the block to yeah. watch it and there was like celebrities going in to see it and all that and like it was a it's a completely different time yeah. man and uh, but yeah the in Boogie Nights I I this is I just love Boogie Nights so yeah. much um, to to be able to to, to be able to cover this topic without feeling exploitative at all um or exploitive um and uh and and build a whole bunch of characters around this where there it's you know it's i don't know it's 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 a masterpiece and i don't know if it gets talked about enough uh, in pta's career anymore because he's come out with all these really challenging films since then right and i think he's known more for that than he is booking i'm gonna give you a peek into my past Mm -hmm. i I think part of what does Boogie Nights in is all the sex and nudity. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it a hard sell to a certain segment of even non-religious moviegoers who just aren't into that kind of thing. Uh, like I had a friend, I tried to recommend The Nice Guys, and he got 10 minutes into it and was like, it just seemed like with all the violence and the nudity, it probably was a little too much for me. And I was like, damn. It's really violent and nudity in the first 10 minutes of Nice Guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it isn't so much the rest of it. Um, but anyway, so I had Boogie Nights. I had seen it. I loved it. And then at, at that point in my life, I, I owned it. I had it on VHS or DVD or something. But I was still a pretty religious guy. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I got I got this mindset that I was like, you know, one day I'm going to get married. And I'm going to have kids. And even if I appreciate the art, I'm not going to want some of these movies on my shelf. 
Hmm. So I went through and got rid of a bunch of movies that I thought I would get rid of whenever I had kids because of the content being too edgy. And Boogie Nights was one of them. That is interesting. I got rid of it. Yeah. I own it again now. Right. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was it was a time in my life where I was like, I can appreciate the art, but I think the nudity and the violence is a little too That's much. That's hilarious because I have I have a kid and I don't think about that. But at you're all. not. I don't. I don't think of you. I'm, I don't want to impugn you, but I don't think of you as like a super conservative religious guy right no. now. Uh, and that's what I was at the time. Right. And and yeah, I, I drew a line, and that movie was on the, the far side of it. And and yeah, and and Paul Thomas Anderson certainly gives you enough nudity and sex in it, but it never feels like the point mm -hmm. of the movie. Uh, and the, the characters involved all have their, their, you know, their dreams and everything. And they have other things they want to do. Almost all of them do. Yeah. Amber Waves wants to shoot her own movies. Yeah. Uh, the Buck Don wants a stereo store. <laughs> yeah. He wants to own a stereo store. Uh, the Mark Wahlberg character, uh, Dirk Diggler wants to have a singing career. Yeah. He's uh, got the touch. This is just a step to that. They think, they think that if, uh, you know, you know, well, People respect that. They think people respect this, I think, because even even uh, Buck, when he goes to get his loan and everything, which is the most devastating part of the movie for me. Yeah. There's a suicide in this movie, and it's that's more devastating. <laughs> than um, the the idea that he doesn't think he's doing anything that a bank should care about mm. when he gets a loan and everything. And they, technically they shouldn't. Right. Um, but he, he, he's, he seems so naive about it, yeah. you know, like he goes in thinking there's no way that they, I've got everything I need here. Who cares if I do porn? Yeah. You know, it's not that way or whatever. And it's just a, it's just great how he constructs that whole thing. Um, what year did that come out? 97. I always think, I don't know why I draw this connection, but Boogie Nights and Catch Me If You Can are, will always be connected to me because both of them have characters that go from nothing to having a lot of money and they hold a party with a bunch of friends and we get a scene walking through their new expensive apartment where they scold people yeah. about all their rich stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, don't touch the stereo. That's not Italian. <laughs> that's Italian leather. Like, both of those movies have that scene. Yeah. It's, I don't know why that, I connect them for that reason. Well, for me, Boogie Nights connects to Goodfellas a lot. Oh, interesting. Because um, Goodfellas has that same sort of structure where it starts off with a kid who's basically recruited into the yeah. life that he's in. And uh, then there's these glory days and he's like the up and coming star and all that. And then drugs sort yep. of screw up everything. Specifically but, cocaine. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cocaine. Yeah. Um, it's a hell of a drug. Yeah, it's a hell of a drug. Um, I think L.A. is more represented in Magnolia, though. Oh yeah. Oh, I would agree. Definitely. Yeah, Magnolia is uh is just crazy dependent on the LA scene in that. And there's so much in there like PTA is definitely knows his LA, man. And oh he, yeah, totally. I know he grew up that way. His dad was like a uh, what? I I am just thinking, did you see that funnier die thing of Bradley Whitford emotional stuntman? No. So they uh they they filmed this video of Bradley Whitford uh or or this this scene of this couple fighting and they're like cut it right here. And then they take the the male character out of there, and they bring in Bradley Whitford to like in a mocap suit to actually like cry, <laughs> the emotional stuntman. And that's funny and everything. But then they start like superimposing him. He's like the scene I'm the one who knocks in Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Like they take Cranston away, and it's actually Bradley Whitford doing the thing. And one of them is the emotional scene with Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Where he's, oh yeah, he's at his dad's bedside. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's got Bradley Whitford in his hair, and he's just like. He's just got these, yeah. where he's battling his demons. It's so fucking great. I can't Sorry, watch that. Oh, it's great. And Lewis, 
I will drop kick this fucking dog if it gets anywhere near me. Um, but uh, yeah, Magnolia not only has the the TV industry is a big thing in here, but just all the different places that they're going and the well, uh, John C. Riley's beat cop. Yes, and mm-hmm. pretty much all we see him do is pretty is pretty L.A. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and I I just always I seem to focus on this like entertainment industry here because it, it seems like especially. With the Frank T.J. Mackey, Mackey character and everything, it seems like he's a, just a creation of mm-hmm. this this whole thing. Um, and he goes on TV and showing, telling people like, you know, you can be the master of the muffin and all that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, love the cock, yeah. tame the cunt. Yes, pretty much. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, and he's based off of a real guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know the the whole pickup artist thing it's not the same pickup artist that had their own vh1 show but there was like a guy that was sort of uh, tangent to that right that, that, T, that frank tj Mackey is based on yeah it's will smith and hitch it's will smith on hitch yeah um, you remember what he told kevin james to love the cock and tame the cock yeah i do i do remember that and not do the q-tip dance right right um but yeah every and uh, just everything is so you know I, I think people don't like magnolia because of the weird coincidences that he's really interested in in going after all this like this person just happens to be the son of this person and this person's going through the same things that this person is and and Do you remember this, why kevin smith hates magnolia so much or doesn't like it i don't he think he said something about it being just overindulgent and you could see that. I mean, Magnolia is a really long movie. Yeah, and it's it is. trying to point, trying to uh, prove some point about coincidences. I think essentially. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a bunch of like family coincidences and stuff like that. And plus, it has that frog scene in it, which is what a lot of you either gonna like that or you're gonna get lost there. Um, but um, I do think it's interesting all the parallels. You have the you have the kid who's on the game show who is who is basically the younger version of quiz kid donnie smith the yeah. william h macy character mm-hmm. you see how much he's been messed up by his life and everything um and how his parents stole his money and all this other type yep. of stuff and then you have the the guy who's hosting the game show he um he's uh he's been a bad father uh he's been a very i mean he's been a the worst father right um, yeah, he abused her didn't he yeah he did uh, there's a great scene with Melinda Dillon uh, at the end where he's like, you know, you just can't say what yeah. you did. And um, and then his character is somewhat related to the Frank Partridge character, the Jason Robards, who I believe was he may have been on his actual deathbed during that movie. He didn't wow. die too long after this movie was shot. Um, uh, but the the Frank, the, the Robards character is uh another person who's he's been a bad father to his son for yeah. tj Mackey and everything mm-hmm. and all these characters just connect in this weird way I'm a and bad I'm, father <laughs> and uh yeah philip seymour hoffman is is essentially kind of like a an offspring taking care of of his patient yeah so yeah, yeah yeah um and then uh another big california there will be blood mm-hmm that's another one that just uh, well he's moving out in there will be blood the master and well he moves back in here in vice mm-hmm. uh, but he moves out of la and explores different parts of california and 
what he does in There Will Be Blood is is kind of canvas the state and see like all the yeah. different topography. Daniel Plainview and his brother, uh, you know, they go up north and everything, and they explore, you know, all the the little towns and villages outside of it. I, I love I love the scenery in this movie. I love everything about this movie. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, we don't get to see the the oil rush or whatever. The we don't get to see that very much in movies, and he he does this so he does it so well. Yep. But uh, yeah, I I love how he shoots this. It's just this is just a beautiful movie. Yeah, and it's crazy. He goes from, you know, not so much in, in Punch Drunk Love, uh, but these huge ensemble casts to focusing literally on one character, mm-hmm. you know, and and kind of paring that down, having maybe a little bit of a counterpart with uh, with Paul Dano. But yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what else do we want on California? What else do we want to talk about? The only other big one that I would bring up is the social network. Yeah. Um. Because that kind of telegraphs the beginning of the the techno breakthrough, especially integrating the 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 Napster character with Justin Timberlake. Let's see. This was two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and it's really maybe around the high water mark of of all that tech stuff that's that's happening out mm-hmm. there. Uh, and it really shows a different view of the Bay Area than we got in, like, So I Married an Axe Murder and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Um, it should be noted also that uh, that two of the shittiest movies ever made were made in San Francisco or around that area. Oh. And that is Birdemic and The Room. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm <laughs> um, sure they wear that proudly in San Francisco. Um, or at least they're the backdrop. I'm trying to remember. He Does he does he go to la to shoot san francisco or does he shoot go to san francisco he goes Are you to, talking about the, the yeah, room in the room yeah he goes to la and then they're shooting uh, san francisco they're shooting it at san, san francisco yes. yeah um i would bring up star trek for the voyage home yeah that's, that's a good a, one that's a very san francisco it movie. is a very san francisco movie and one thing that is consistent across almost all of trek uh is that uh the federation's headquarters is in san francisco so you get a little san francisco the beginning of Ratha Khan when they're at Kirk's apartment and you could see the Golden Gate out the back. Um, but in this movie, they actually go back in time. And of course, they go back to San Francisco where the headquarters would be mm-hmm. and park their cloaked bird of prey <laughs> in a park. Uh, and then they go to the, San, the an actual San Francisco Marine place where they're trying to recruit whales. We see them on at a San Francisco naval base trying to get on the USS Enterprise, an aircraft mm-hmm. carrier. Um, so I think the city is, is pretty prominently. They get on a city bus. They do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vulcan nerve pinch a guy That's who's right. bothering them. That's right. Yeah. Um, the Big Lebowski, obviously, is another big California movie, uh, and that's the that's a very specific type of character I think that they're talking about. The, yeah. the California slacker. This this weed smoking doesn't pay his rent long-haired hippie dude who just bowls all the time. <laughs> I'm talking about the dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it's not like overtly California, but it seems like it it needs to have that backdrop. Oh, I think I think of very much like Southern California when I watch yeah. them, especially when they go out. And well, yeah, they go the to Malibu and all that. And all that yeah. you know. stay out of Malibu, Lebowski. <laughs> stay out of my. <laughs> I want you to stay out of my beach community. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, Beverly Hills Cop, obviously. Now, mm-hmm. the Beverly Hills Cop is it's got all these like you know iconic images of like you know just the woman walking down the street with her with her dog and wearing those like tight white pants and everything <laughs> yep. and that those movies are great i mean except for three is three is not very good but yeah uh but uh, the other the other two are, are are at least decent 80s vehicles don't forget about volcano 
Oh, yeah. Which is a movie that is definitely set in L.A. and feels very L.A. because there are a lot of landmark shots. But I didn't realize until I went to L.A. and Chris and I rented a car and we did some driving around these streets, how many goddamn streets this movie name checks yeah. like La Cienega and <laughs> uh, like all of these streets that you see when you're driving through the main heart of LA and northern LA um so Volcano Counts well, it's a terrible ass movie and, though and not to mention they make this <laughs> this ham-handed racial uh comment by the end right of, at the end yeah. man, that's it yeah they're all the same right <laughs> God the damn. volcano that fixed racism that's right <laughs> By by black facing the white yes. people. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> oh my God. Um, what was the better movie? Volcano or Dante's Peak? Dante's Vol- Peak. Ooh, I would say volcano. I would say volcano too. I mean, we're talking F and F plus. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's like asking me which never mind. Yeah. Oh my god. Dante's Peak sucked, man. They both sucked. Mm-hmm. That uh moment when the grandmother gets out of the the boat and pulls him in this like battery acid water yeah like, and i only saw dante's peak once and i only saw volcano more than once because we send it so yeah. uh I, I honestly i just set a name uh there's also boys in the hood yeah and straight out of compton yeah they, they both have to be mm-hmm. training day is in similar yeah has to be in la yeah yeah um uh boys in the hood um i love that movie mm-hmm. it's really i mean i don't know I don't know if it gets talked about much anymore, though. I'll tell you what, wardrobe and hairstyles. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Fuck. No kidding. <laughs> 90s as fuck. Take a look at Ice Cube and that one, man. Oh, man. There it is. But uh, I, Boys in the Hood was, I guess, it was really groundbreaking for 1991 yeah. to come out with a movie. Well, and it wasn't just, let's see what gang life is in LA. They were showing the that people who innocent people are affected yeah. in, in, in these type of things mm-hmm. and everything and how, you know, and there's a, there's a great scene with Lawrence Fishburne talking about like, you know, like, look, everywhere you look, there's the, you know, down the street here, there's the liquor store. And then there's the wet, there's the weapon store right next to it mm-hmm. and everything. And he's like, you know, there's only one salute. There's only one, uh, reason for this they want us to kill each other and all well, those other types of stuff. And that's why I don't have much tolerance or haven't in most of my life when somebody wants to tell me, Talk to me about violence in the real world in the U.S. and and quote statistics about how many black men are in prison or how many black men commit crimes versus white men. And I'm just like, okay, well, if you can't see that it's more about poverty Mm -hmm. and location and gentrification and all this stuff, then, you know, I can't have conversations with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, But uh, and then uh, speaking of Ice Cube, straight out of Compton. Yep. Which, uh, you know, who knew that we would get to that point where we would, you know, we would look at. Uh, this group uh, in a historical fashion you know like yeah I, I i never thought that would get to that to that point but man what an interesting story yeah because they symbol symbolized youth and you know rebellion and stuff like that and you it's the same thing with like i saw guns and roses late last year and like you know they're geriatric at this point but mm-hmm. they were you know it's the appetite for destruction they were just like the kick-assiest band i've ever seen you know but Straight Outta Compton is like one of those rare biopics that really works on every level because probably because it's got multiple characters that they're focusing on. You know what? It probably is more my age than anything that, that NWA gets a movie treatment. And I'm like, I'm like, no, no, they're not they're not <laughs> nearly old enough to be given this biopic, uh, you know, s- treatment yeah. and everything. And then you realize it was like 
28 years ago. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, it's like, just think about like in the 90s, 28 years ago. Like if you're 1995, 28 years ago was in 1967. Yeah. So like that felt like it was time to, you know, do a, you know, whatever, uh, a biopic on whatever band was popular yeah. around the time. But like, yeah, NWA getting its own movie. I was like, oh, really? They're not that old, are they? <laughs> Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These days, yeah. Like, um, everybody got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move the lips. Just Because <laughs> you forgot about Drake. <laughs> so, so you're referencing the one non-NWA song that you could. Well, you, we forgot about Drake. Because yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I was trying to reference something more literal than yes. an actual. I mean, Dre's on that track. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Step yep. off. That's right. Step uh, off. That's right. Um, Speed came to mind. Oh, yes. Another one. Oh, it's wow. a super L.A. movie. Yeah. I don't think it had to be. It had to be. One of the things that makes it work so well in L.A. is that L.A. has all these freeways mm-hmm. and this expansive highway system that, you know, a tight city like New York, you couldn't have that story. Yeah. Uh, you could probably set it in like Houston yeah. Or, yeah. or like Atlanta or what have you. But it is a very distinctly L.A. movie, particularly because of that freeway jump mm-hmm. and a lot of the skyline setup shots and establishing shots. Yeah, man. Do I ever love me some speed? I uh, think that it's a movie that does it. Do people talk about speed anymore? No. I, it just feels just like the lines, the it, catchphrases. Well, yeah, I mean, cons. Um, <laughs> I think it was almost as important to the action movie genre as Die Hard was. Mm-hmm. I think it was a huge milestone. Yeah, I it when it came out, it was 1994 when it came out. Uh, it it was a decent hit, and I feel like it had enough. Uh, you know, it had enough uh, impact that you even had a Simpsons joke about it and yeah. everything. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it just never, for whatever, man, you guys, if you haven't seen Speed, watch a, that's yeah. a really well-constructed action movie. And mm-hmm. a Seinfeld joke. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, in two of the greatest sitcoms of all time. <laughs> that's right. Um, uh, when Jan DeBont did this one, I thought he was going to be a big director. Yeah. Like he, and in some ways he was, but not for the reasons I thought he would be. Uh, because then he did, of course he did speed two and then he did the haunting. And, uh, he also did tomb Raider cradle of life. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> there he's you go. probably done a whole hit list of other movies that I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that was not a good uh but yeah speed i think is a yeah very very la movie it definitely needs that backdrop um bullworth is another one we've talked about yeah it. we talked about it briefly i think during our election uh show uh but um another really interesting movie warren Beatty. uh i i think i talked about this before he he he's this candidate who's who's decided to tell the truth right. about things and he and he's uh you know obviously he's like a 60 year old white dude who's rapping through a good deal of it yep but uh but and those are cringy yeah they're very cringy those, and i don't uh, think they're i don't think they're be. yeah i don't think they're meant to be good in any no way. i yeah i just it, it literally makes me wince <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure but he goes in and he's 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 suicidal so he's like going around like he's like you know i don't give a fuck anymore essentially 
And he's just like, I'm going to tell you how it is and all that. And that's what we were getting a lot of during the Trump Clinton election and everything was that a lot of people like Trump because he tells it like it is mm-hmm. and all this other type of stuff. Although in this one, he really is telling it like it is. It's not, it's, it's, you know, he's telling the, the, the hidden truths behind a lot Both of Both parties are upset with him. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but, uh, I, I think that's another really interesting LA type of movie. Uh, anything else? Orgy of the Dead. Nice. Okay, I don't even know that the guy one. that made the list is definitely going to get out the weirdest <laughs> name on the list. Uh, it's an Ed Wood written uh, movie, and it's oh, uh, yeah. about skeletons fucking. It. Uh, it's it's fucked up. Uh, the only other thing, um, I caught the Mask of Zorro uh, recently. Yeah, and I think that's a forgotten movie. That's a re- really fun movie. Yeah, takes place in in early Californian days where there the gold rush and all that stuff. There was corrupt politicians mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, and then you had to have this. You know, this symbol, this Zorro symbol uh, come in and one of Antonio Banderas's best movies, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones was one of her first movies. Yeah, it was It was at least one of her first American movies. Yeah. Um, uh, and I remember seeing her in the trailer going, whoa. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she is crap. beautiful in this yeah. movie. And it's just a, it's a well put together movie. Uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins is is very charismatic in it, and uh, well, yeah. starting his long career of being the uh, fatherly uh, <laughs> training type yeah. of guy yeah. that they he's been in like a hundred of them since. Yeah, we we could obviously go on and on. Independence Day, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction, Easy A, yeah, Easy A. Yeah. Um, uh, normally like three movies that would take up like 30 minutes of discussion I'm just yeah, saying. yeah. this is like encino man <laughs> there's there's bill and, and even though bill and ted's excellent adventure was shot in arizona it's a california movie yeah. california set movie anyway point break isn't that california point break yeah i mean uh you know something as big as et yeah was uh was an uh la movie it has one iconic shot of la i don't think it it's not really you don't really read that as california other than that one big shot of la at the beginning of the movie i guess i don't know but I the like, the neighborhoods yeah. that are getting built that seems very like oh. especially when they're riding through and like going down the hills and everything there's like those little steps basically yeah, yeah. which also means poltergeist was shot in california because oh, yeah. both of those movies were going on at the same time a lot of the early david ayer stuff uh i know mm-hmm. yeah. training day but like um well, end of watch, and mm-hmm. then the two with well, the one with Keanu Reeves and the one with Christian Bale. I can never remember the harsh times, and mm-hmm. uh, but oh, he, he's obviously an L.A. guy, like P.T. Anderson. Yeah, because I think even Bright is set in L.A. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could we could go on for a long time here, <laughs> and I think we got the major ones. I'm sure there's like ten major ones we yeah. missed, but. I mean, we're trying to focus it a little bit more on... You guys didn't say Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> yeah, or the Naked Gun. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I, it's. I guess it's got to be... It's got to be more... I don't know. It's got to be more of a backdrop yep. than just... We just shot it there or whatever. It's got to have some sort of L.A., California feel to it. And we could go on for another hour and, and come up with stuff that probably fits that description, but that's just the way that state is. So, uh, we ready to go into a rant now? Let's do it. I guess so. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Am I the only one with a rant? No, Chris has a rant. Chris has one for all the categories. There was a time where we thought the state of California would take so much time. We may not have time for the rant 
news, recommend, and warn. Mm-hmm. I can come up with something for all those categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think time-wise, it's probably looking like we do have time for that. Okay. Yeah. So we probably have time for that and then a question or two. Sure. All right. So somebody besides me start, and I'll come <laughs> up with a rant. Uh, I don't have much of a rant, but uh, but uh, it is important. And, and, and I know we rant a lot about movie theaters here because movie theaters do have things that they should improve, things that they probably never will improve. Uh, but I went to two movies in the past week. I uh, went to Annihilation and Game Night uh, where speakers are blown oh, in the auditorium. That's and the worst. It is the worst. Now, it it you you have you have some leeway in this because it does require a certain uh, decibel level to hit those things and have the... One thing that was really frustrating talking to your technician about a blown speaker is that when they would do their tests, their tests oftentimes would not hit the part of the uh, the decibel level that would cause the the rattling that you would hear from a no. blown speaker. And so, you, and so, like you know, the technician we had, she would be like, "Okay, well, I have to I have to run something through there that I can hear, like a trailer or something." So I can hear like the, the, the thing. And usually, yeah, especially if it's behind the screen, she would go in and change these speakers and she really risked her life doing that stuff. It's unbelievable. The kind, I would come in sometimes in the morning and I would see her, like I would see lights on in this one auditorium. I'd go in there and she had like somehow maneuvered her way and it's not easy to get to they're on top of these like wooden blocks a lot of times mm-hmm. they may may have built them better since the hollywood 27 but um they'd be on t- these big speakers would be on top of these like wooden blocks and there's not a ladder up to them it's just they're just suspended in midair essentially and they're heavy and so like she would get up on a ladder and then she'd have to kind of like maneuver her way onto this platform oh shit you know and also because they're heavy uh like you have to they're like think they're tied to something so that they don't break through the screen if oh yeah where they've got that little catch on the back yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so like once you loosen it she would have to like hold on to it on this tiny platform and and be like you know then change out the little thing inside of it that needs to be changed um one though man i went to my old hollywood 27 theater the other day went into an auditorium auditorium three to watch annihilation and the same left surround speaker that i had been talking about for years still is blown what it's got it has to have been running on 10 years now that speaker's been blown so you don't think it's been replaced and then the problem happened again no oh my god no it's the same one it's the same exact one (laughs) uh it's weird to me five years removed from being at that movie theater and plus so many years that it was going on while i was in there that that thing's still not fixed when i went in there i was like man this sounds pretty good and i was i was confusing it with another auditorium that used to always have bad sound for me and I couldn't ever put my finger on why it was, but this one was really good except for that left surround speaker. Luckily surround speakers don't, don't get hit very often. So you don't hear it all the way through, but anytime there's like that low rumbling of some sort, that's going thunder, lightning, that type of thing, you're going to hear that lightning and the thunder. That's right. You're going to hear that. Oh, that sucks because there's a lot of like low tones in that movie too, and especially at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, and um, and so like, 
so so that game night it was mainly during the trailers but it was it was a it was a uh, speaker behind the screen it was like the right front that was doing it and whatever always distracting to me it's got that it when when something doesn't register in the normal soundtrack that they've intended you to, to hear and it's like it's building up to something that you know you know it's building up to something and then it goes <laughs> you know up yeah, to yeah. that high point and everything it's so annoying and i know it's it's especially now it's going to be tough for theaters to to fix this stuff because there's not as many people checking uh auditoriums anymore that there are people checking the auditoriums which i could go on a rant on that too yeah um there are people checking the auditoriums but they're never in there during time they, and they've never once caught me with my dick out right exactly <laughs> and i'm like look guys i'm giving you a free reign to kick not, me out they're not doing their job and yeah um can i tell you about the, my perfect theater experience though? go for it uh i had the the total opposite i guess of, of your experience for annihilation mm -hmm. so at the the brand new theater that's next to me um we had one of those pre-selected seats in the auditorium and i was going with my wife we were going to have a date night and that fell through but anyway so i booked two seats they're in the very back of the auditorium a smallish auditorium though so you know certainly not very far away from the screen in the back left and they're separate from everything mm. else it's on a whole not only is it separate from the row in front there's a little alcove where you can have uh, projection access mm -hmm. like from the theater mm -hmm separating the left side from the right side mm -hmm. so i was on a complete island yes nice. now it was going to be nice i could have made out with my wife if i wanted to yeah uh it was going to be nice to having her there too because obviously it was the big you know uh reclining seats and all that stuff but she wasn't there so i literally had this two seat thing all to myself mm -hmm. nice it was glorious take your pants off and there was nobody behind me to, so i could you know stretch if i wanted to i could check my phone i didn't check my phone but i could have checked my phone mm -hmm. if i wanted to and it was so far removed you know they've got those little dividers and yeah. everything from the rows so far removed i could have literally been in that theater by myself yeah. for all i knew it was unbelievable that's great hey, hollywood 27 used to have the uh, 15 16 and 17 used to have those little areas that you yeah. could, that were basically secluded from everybody else there was one auditorium where you could potentially be sharing that whole back step on with a with a i guess another group of people or whatever but there were a couple spots where you could just be by yourself if you wanted to because they were just so out of the way and everything yeah uh, yeah checking the phone by the way god it's just out of control man people checking their phones out of control is it, it is, really i haven't really noticed it but I, i've been going to those theaters that have those dividers and everything i think so it's fun well and, and i was i was watching game night uh and it's got i don't know no i didn't have a divider but the person right in front of me, I could see the the light coming through the the oh, chairs. Yeah, and I know that they thought they were being discreet and everything, but sorry. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I understand the urge to look at your phone. I I do a lot because there's always like it seems like fifty emails come in while I'm in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I could sit at my house for eight hours and nothing happens, and then I go to a movie. Suddenly everybody wants to do stuff. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know what what we're doing about uh, the sound in theaters anymore because it's. I think that's potentially the biggest thing that has been lost in the digital age mm -hmm. is that there's not enough people screening movies. There's not enough people uh, going in to check the sound when it when it's on and everything. There's not enough people writing down. 
yeah, that speaker's blown. Let's let's replace it. And of course, even if you do say let's replace it, all of these companies are just tight asses about a lot of things. So, yes, they are. So they don't like changing anything out as long as nobody's complaining about it and it's not you're not having to send out refunds every single time. They're fine with you having that blown speaker. Yeah. So anyway, not much of a rant, but it's it's something that I think is uh, is getting on the bad side. No, yeah. you're good. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Was your was that your rant? Like, was it a positive rant? No. Or do you have another rant? I've got like a newsy rant, Let's like a it. like a hybrid. Like the 1920s kid newspaper guy, <laughs> newsy rant? <laughs> newsy. All right, so Peter Sarsgaard and Jeff Daniels did an interview uh, recently. Because they are in a like movie together, right? NBC, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and maybe this looming tower thing that, uh, that Jeff Daniels is doing. Um, and of course, both of them have been in Woody Allen films, mm-hmm. um, separate ones. Jeff Daniels is in Purple Rose of Cairo, and uh, Peter Sarsgaard was in Blue Jasmine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were both asked about, you know, all the, the shit that's coming out and everything. And Peter Sarsgaard said, I would not be in another Woody Allen movie. Now, this follows a ton of people saying that they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, Greta Gerwig, Timothy Chalamet, I think Kate Winslet, maybe, too. Um, and then Jeff Daniels said, no, I probably would. Um, you know, if he called, I'd, I'd, I'd be into it. Um, and even Peter Sarsgaard, after saying that he wouldn't do this, goes on to extol Woody Allen as the genius uh, that he's been known as mm-hmm. and that he still watches his movies all the time. He still can't wait to see what's coming up next and things like that. And uh, it got a little bit of, you know, response as is, uh, you know, expected in this environment. But it brought up a, an interesting question to me. Is Woody Allen ever going to make a, another film that's widely accepted? Um, or is this stained him enough to where stained him enough it everything, you know, he's, he's no spring chicken. He doesn't have that many movies left in him. Um, is, is it ever going to be a successful movie again? Now, I'll follow that up because I just watched uh, The Curse of the Jade Scorpion was on Ugh. not too long ago. Yeah, it's terrible. It is terrible. But in that movie, and you see little signs that we talked about the stuff in Manhattan. In that movie, Elizabeth Berkeley is in that movie, and he's like, uh, Woody Allen's character is like, oh, you're going home? You know, she's like, oh, I feel sick. And he's like, well, you need somebody to rub Vicks on your chest and that kind of thing. And it's like all these little tiny creepy things you're starting to notice when you watch his movies now. Mm-hmm. Well... This is a bigger discussion. I mean, I I think he's probably rich enough. He can make as many movies as he wants, get mm-hmm. them released independently. Probably enough of Hollywood will work with him. Maybe the movies would be good or bad. I think the days of him getting studio funding and wide release uh, and marketing are done. And I think the days of his film doing good at the box office are done. Well, hmm. I'm not sure how long he's been doing that anyway uh, in the past right. 20, 30 years or so. How many His, have done box office? Yeah, he's uh, he's always been uh, kind of independent, uh, and es- especially since the Soon Yi thing happened, mm-hmm. 
He's he, he he even after that he needed to start finding someone anybody who would finally come out with his movies. And was it at Miramax for a while? It was um, New Line or Fine Line, one of those that finally came out with. But uh, weren't they owned by Miramax? No. Uh, Sony Classic Pictures did Blues Jasmine and uh, Midnight in Paris. I thought Miramax did Mighty Aphrodite because one of the stories I read was Mira Sorvino being told by him. He might have had I made a, you a star. He might have had a Miramax in the middle of all that. Like I think what started Yeah, that's Miramax. What I think what started with the Miramax, it was right after because I read this uh book from his it's Mike Matavoy used to be a studio head. And he used and and Woody Allen used to do stuff a lot of stuff with United Artists and stuff like that. United Artists was one of the companies Matavoy was a studio head for. And then when United Artists broke broke down, they had some other studio that they started or whatever but yeah i think in that middle 90s period you're talking about is when he did miramax okay and then after miramax it's been i guess it's a hodgepodge you know, like, like sony pictures classics and mm-hmm. and stuff like that um but yeah um i i think the thing is is that woody allen has never been a huge box office draw at least for the last 40 years maybe mm-hmm. and um or 30 years at least and uh he can probably continue making whatever he wants to for a cheap amount of money and you know it it makes whatever it always makes it's not like he's damaging that much well better question or more interesting question would be will the academy ever nominate him again uh nominate him probably not because he hasn't even been nominated very well or very recently right um i think i wonder about that because if you have something like um, Blue Jasmine with a, a dynamite performance by Kate uh, Blanchett. Is it fair to like not recognize her because of his movie? Oh, I'm not trying to answer any of these questions. No, yeah, I'm yeah, Alex yeah. Garland here in this debate. I'm just throwing <laughs> them out. Because uh, yeah, it's, was... it's gotten very murky. I, I was talking about this with my brother about, you know, because we started out with whether you I don't I think it's dismissive to call it like this me too thing or what mm-hmm. have you but in this new era of women feeling empowered to speak out against people that have allegedly harassed or abused them you know Kevin Spacey Weinstein there are some that feel black and white mm-hmm. and then there are some Aziz Ansari James Franco that feel murky and it sounds like seems like both of those guys are going to be allowed to continue by Hollywood to continue to work mm. and then you've got woody allen where the allegations are much more specific um but not much more provable mm. and unlike weinstein who has like 90 accusers we really just have the one right and it's just murky it's yeah. and i don't i don't want to be the guy to choose that being said i'm probably just creeped out enough by the things i've heard and influenced enough by all the prominent stars saying they're not going to work with him anymore and I was never a huge Woody Allen guy anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lose any fun in my life if I just stop watching his the movies he makes from here on out. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, he's he doesn't have I mean it's it's that's what you're what you're saying. I think that's what most people are. Um the uh, the last time he was nominated was for Blue Jasmine. It was a screenplay. So that was 2013. So that's oh, fairly okay. recent. Um, I didn't realize he was nominated for writing that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. He's and, probably uh, nominated for Midnight he was too he was writing and directing for midnight in paris but so yeah he's shown the capability of making stuff that a lot of people or at least more than normal amount of people uh will like and everything but he's just at the point in his career there where 
really doesn't matter. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's going to matter. Yeah. Um, uh, I think he's going to make exactly the same amount of money as he always does on all of his movies. He just may not get as big a stars as he used to. Yeah. yeah. He might have to find some people who are like hungry and maybe one, some, one of those people in one of those Coke films at the start of the movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> Wasn't he supposed to release something like Wonder Wheel? Uh, the last. I love that song. <laughs> You're yeah. my Wonder Wheel. Uh, I think he did. Yeah, I don't think it really. I mean, you could see the New York Times review is Woody Allen's Wonder Wheel is one of his more unfortunate contributions to cinema. So, there you go. I guess maybe it, it's just a bad movie, but it came out at a bad time, too. Certainly. Yeah. You want to hear my rant? Yeah. All right. So in all of this sequelitis, rebootitis, remakeitis that has gotten worse than ever, there's no greater offender than Disney with this whole we're going to literally live action remake every animated classic in our library mm -hmm. i think there are maybe two that aren't currently in production on some level if you thought they were done there you were wrong mm -hmm. disney is about to launch their own streaming service in the next year or two to compete with the likes of netflix and hulu one of the things they're going to do uh that will be a, a, a good way to draw customers is make marvel and star wars movies exclusive to this disney streaming service oh yeah so at some point in time you won't be able to watch iron man or the avengers on netflix or amazon or hulu You'll only be able to get it at disneyhole.com or whatever the fuck they call it <laughs> here are the shows they're prepping for this the tv series they're prepping for this show uh for this fucking i'm already angry <laughs> they're gonna reboot the muppets show mm-hmm High School Musical mm -hmm. show, Monsters, Inc. show, Mighty Duck show, Parent Trap show, Father of the Bride show, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids show. Mm -hmm. How are they going to do a Father of the Bride show? I don't know, but are they going to yeah. do any original shows? It's going to be one of those, like, the she's perpetually, like, she has a five-year <laughs> engagement or something. I mean, what the fuck? I don't know. I, I'm i kind of on board with the Muppet Show reboot. But Killing if me, it, Smalls. No, if, if that's literally the entirety of their content is just the reboots, or a big majority is, then yeah, fuck that. Man. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to get real for a second. I don't even blame Disney anymore. Mm. I blame you, America. <laughs> I blame my wife. Because some uh, the other day I walked in the front room. She was on Netflix. She was watching Fuller House. Oh, mm -hmm. no. And I said, babe, you are part of the problem. Another great San Francisco. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah another San go. Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said, you know, it's not good. I know it's not good. Makes me chuckle. Reminds me of the old show that I used to love. Mm. And you know what? That's pretty much why... We're getting all these remakes and reboots because people in America as a whole keep watching them. Mm -hmm. And until we stop, it's not going to stop. That's true. In fact, in 30 years, they might be rebooting all of this shit again. I was thinking that you were you were going to tell us that they're remaking Beauty and the Beast again. <laughs> as oh, an animation. Yeah. yeah, they're going to do an animated one this time. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, that, 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 that could be an onion headline or reality. <laughs> yeah, they could make it, uh, you know, computer animation this time. It's different because it's computer animation. If claymation will bring to life the story. <laughs> Adored by millions. Yes. <laughs> now it's time for news. News on the mark. Now it's time for news. I already did kind of my newsy rant. Well, I'll things. go next because it's just on the top of my head and I just read it this morning. But apparently it's official that Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are going to star in Tarantino's new film, mm -hmm. which is set during the Manson stuff. But apparently it's not going to focus on that so much as it is what la was like what hollywood was like oh really it's not, yeah in fact leo's playing a movie star and brad pitt's playing his um stuntman mm -hmm. and they're both kind of down on their luck i guess is he the emotional stuntman i don't know he's uh yeah it's a once upon a time in hollywood is what they're uh -huh. calling it 
Um, uh, and I, I guess I'm just curious. What does that make you more or less interested? I mean, obviously, it's two of the biggest. Fucking, I'm fucking in. It's like, two of the biggest the... A-list stars you can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said before on a previous podcast, very recently, I, I'm in a new place with Tarantino after the stuff that came out in the last few weeks about him. And I obviously, I, I'm not putting him in the same place as Harvey Weinstein because he hasn't been accused of that same kind. He hasn't been accused of anything sexual, to my knowledge. Um, but I, I'm pretty disgusted with the behavior that seems factual at this point. And I don't know if I want to go and support this. That being said, I haven't seen his last two movies, three movies in the theater. I've caught them on home video. Mm -hmm. Probably just, you know, I'll watch this when we send it, I guess. But it didn't do anything. Even those two uh, didn't do anything to motivate me to want to see this anymore. And I thought that was interesting because they're two of my favorite actors. They're two of the biggest stars in the world. And three weeks ago, this news probably would have had me doing cartwheels. Oh, yeah. I'm in every part of this, like the, the content... The Tarantino factor, the DiCaprio and the Pitt, like, I'll be there like day one. I mean, he's going back to a time period that is when all of these movies that influenced and inspired him came out. Yeah. And so that could be a very interesting. I'm, I will try my best to analyze the film on its own merit. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I just find it really hard to be excited about it at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's uh, it, he hasn't. Like you said, I don't think it's. I don't think it has anything to, you know, like Quentin Tarantino is going to survive the Uma Thurman thing because it's not, the, it's not the sexual harassment or anything. It's like almost that. his response to all that, not the act itself. That's where that I'm made at. that made it. That's it's where so I'm yeah, at. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so Black Panther uh, has already passed Wonder Woman. In Crazy two weeks. Yeah, in box office. That's wild, man. It is currently slated to if it if it continues along the track that it's on that it might be the number one mcu movie of all time it's definitely going to hit the top 10 wow uh, of all time uh but it is currently beating where the avengers was at the same point in huh. its that's nuts um, and it's not like wonder woman was a middling blockbuster no, wonder woman a made a hit. shit ton of money was oh yeah and it was some right in the middle of summer too yeah, this and, is fucking february yeah. in 12 days this motherfucker hit that number wow. that's incredible yeah it's made 421 million here in uh, north america uh and it is uh currently at 756 million for the worldwide total although i did see a headline i didn't read the article but i did see a headline for an editorial yesterday that uh was accusing black panther of cultural appropriation of all the real african tribes that it quote unquote borrowed oh from. really and i was like have we reached a point where you can basically accuse anybody of cultural appropriation yes mm -hmm. i think we have yes yeah. but i i find that amazing like i could i could see this movie i could i could see it making a lot of money but i did not expect it to be like on the level of an avengers or no. something like mm -hmm. that like, uh, because the Avengers was something that so many comic book fans were waiting for and had been teased with for years and it finally came out and, and then of course it exploded when it came out. Uh, this movie is, is its own, you know, it's just one character. I mean, it's a lot of characters, but it's one character at the forefront. Yeah. It's just super well done. And yeah. I think. I was talking to uh, I was at a birthday party with some family of mine that are African American. They were they were talking about like how they were getting them and all their friends and their families and everything out to the theater to see this mm -hmm. because it was important to to the community. Right. And 
I don't know if that same demographic, you know, Aunt Phyllis or whoever, my grandmother, this that, that that's going to be motivated to go out to see the Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's because of how this movie works in this environment that maybe is is motivating new ticket purchasers and and probably people to go see it. You know, the guy that wants to see it every day until he dies. Yeah. The last thing I should do is speak like for African American people, <laughs> but. I think this film's box office success suggests that a film like this with so many of the cast African-American and the director is black is overdue. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it's it's pretty much I, I think there is a sort of a mandate going on yeah. with this with this movie. Yeah, um, because I think if it were just any random regular new character, you'd have it's Ant-Man again. It's yeah. it's yeah. you know it's it, it's it's making maybe two or three hundred million but yeah. you know this is not a random character right you know this is something that people are like i'm i want to give money to this and and show my support for it yeah uh it uh if it beats the avengers it'll be the fifth highest grossing film of all time of course we are not uh you know fit factoring in uh, inflation inflation and all that but uh still um that's an amazing achievement yeah yeah gotta recommend totes amaze balls there great it won the academy award oh for what for best movie ever made i've been watching a lot of old movies like mission impossible 2 and shit mm-hmm. well i'll make my <laughs> recommend doubly long then <laughs> all right uh, in the last two weeks i've seen three excellent films black panther annihilation and game night yeah and the one i can't get out of my head and the one i'm gonna see next again is game night mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, you haven't seen it. No, this is really good from what I hear, right? Um, unless Chris is going to go all annihilation on me and, and be the odd guy out. <laughs> I have yet to talk to anybody I know that has seen it that didn't love it. Even a couple of my Twitter friends that were skeptical, uh, o- who only went because I said, please go, it's really good, have come back and said, it's really good. I ah. know Jonathan saw it and uh-huh. loved it. My brother and I laughed our asses off. What did you think real quick? I did not love it. But you liked it? I did. Okay. Where would you put it, like, not as good as, like, you wouldn't put it up there with, like, the Tropic Thunders of the world? No. No. They, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's got, it's definitely got good funny moments. I'm always on board with these concept comedies like yeah. this. Um, the, uh, I, 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 I do think it's a, a, a fun movie and everything, and I think Jesse Plemons pretty much steals it. He does um he's on a roll man he really is um and uh and i i mean jason bateman is just i can't not watch his i mean he's so good in everything he's in and he's got the same sort of mannerisms to his his comedy timing yeah but it just is in that right zone every time he does that thing with his head where he's like, he'll, he, he, he'll, he'll like move it along. And he, you know, he just kind of, he's always like in this sort of cadence that he does and everything. And I love it. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a little down on how this movie plays out as it goes along. Like, I feel like it, I don't want to spoil it. Sure. Uh, but I do feel like it, if it could have stayed a little bit more on track with the game that's going on ah. in it rather than going off the rails and saying, well, this is actually the thing. And yeah, this no, is that, you know, like, you know, so like if it could have, it could have stayed within that, I would have been a little bit more on board with it. Um, but uh, no, it's a fun movie. Okay. So as long as you didn't like hate it, as long no, as it's not like Father's it. Day to you. No, um, <laughs> that's a good one. I'm <laughs> giving you a two thumbs up, Jeremy recommend on game night i'm gonna give you a few reasons why because 
you just heard from somebody who didn't really enjoy it as much as me. And it still sounded like you know, he liked enough of it. Um, and I don't think you're going to find too many people that watch it and, wa- and walk out thinking it is like Father's Day, where it's just simply not funny. Yeah. Plemons steals the movie. Um, and he may be stealthily one of our best up and coming actors. Huh. Mm-hmm. Because between Friday Night Lights and Breaking Bad, we've seen the drama and the fucking creepy. Yeah. And, you know, between a Fargo, we got a little drama and comedy there and a little affected personality accent northern wherever the fuck and not to mention the black mirror episode that everybody considers the best one oh yeah, my the god it's season. so good and yeah. then in this movie he steals it without really even breaking a smile yeah like he steals it by playing his character 100 percent straight uh and if you took him out of this movie there are two or three performances that i think would i would say steal the movie uh jason bateman is great Mm-hmm. My brother and I probably had three conversations this weekend about how much we love Jason Bateman mm-hmm. and how even in a shitty movie like Office Christmas Party, right. um, he's still great. Um, but Rachel McAdams, and this is not her first time doing comedy, nope. but she's great in this. I love she's her in super this. charming and bubbly, um, goofy. And uh, another thing I love is that at least with the main characters, those two uh, who are married, this is not a comedy that needs to give them like cliche marital tr- trouble. Right. They're mm. not... I mean, I guess they're trying to decide if they want to have a baby and whether or not his sperm count is good enough. But yeah. they're not like seeing a counselor or divorce isn't imminent. Um, and so many of these wacky comedies will, will throw some wrench into the romance. Now, they do that a little bit with some of the ancillary game night characters where one couple is arguing about she, she might have slept with a celebrity and the other guy just can't settle on the right woman. Uh, but again, it's, it doesn't devolve down into relationship cliches the way a comedy does. Uh, so those two are great. Uh, this is shot like a two hundred million dollar blockbuster. Yeah. Oh, really? It's it's one of the few comedies I've ever seen that said we're going to shoot this like an action film, huh. and it's going to be a funny movie. But I mean, it, the film looks better. It looks like, I mean, it looks like a Fast and Furious movie in huh. the way that it's shot. And then they use this, they use the tilt shift effect for establishing shots in a way that makes the car driving down the road look like a game piece yeah. on a game board. Yeah. Oh. And there's so much care in this movie to stuff like that. Uh, from the opening credits to what's on screen and the closing credits, mm-hmm. um, things that are thrown out that you think are completely throwaway that either turn into running jokes or come back again at the very end, some of them not until the credits are rolling and you're looking at what's on screen at the end and you make a realization uh, it just feels like the movie was very well thought out and planned out. Whereas something like Office Christmas Party, they said, let's get all these funny people together. Raucous party with lots of alcohol and a little cocaine. Funny's bound to happen. <laughs> Here, they had the funny in place, and I think they went out and found the right people. Now, this is from the guys that wrote. They were some some of the writers on Spider-Man Homecoming. Huh? They're also the guys that made the Horrible Bosses movies. Um, and, you know, I guess people don't like the second one like me. But they, that's because they saw the first one first. Most people seem to like that first Horrible yeah, Bosses Yeah, I think that you're talking about the, the, the producers of this movie were Horrible Bosses. The directors of this movie did Vacation, that Ed Helms. Yes, vacation. which is not <laughs> great to anyone but Jeremy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I, I even knew enough. But every time I've talked about Vacation, I knew I might be on an island. And, and um, sorry, they wrote Horrible Bosses, too. Okay, just, great. But, yeah. So there was a connection. Right. There. Um, this one, I'm, I don't feel like I'm on an island. Um, everybody in my Twitter feed that went to see it because of my recommendation has come back with thumbs up. Nice. Um, 
so many of the jokes hit. That's what's hard with comedy is is to make the jokes hit, right? Because it can be funny on the page, but it's not always going to be funny in person, mm-hmm. depending on staging and performances, all kinds of factors. And there are only a, a few moments here where I was like, doesn't quite reach what you're going for. But there were a lot of moments where it does, uh, particularly Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman in an alley. Oh, uh, yeah. And then Jason Bateman in somebody else's home office. Those two scenes had me near in tears. Yeah. Huh. And maybe I just needed that. Maybe I needed it after Black Panther and Annihilation <laughs> took me to these deep places. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I haven't seen a comedy in theaters that made me laugh that hard since maybe tropic thunder or, wow. or hangover this, wow. that scene you're talking about when he's in somebody else's office uh i had to pee terribly during that <laughs> scene. but i had i stayed through it because i knew the way they set it up yeah. that i had to watch it yeah and everything and i was luckily like right after that i was like okay perfect time right here <laughs> yeah and uh and and everything um but uh but yeah um it, i i did like it I, I i wanted to love it but uh you know, I think some things didn't hit as much for me, but uh, Good overall, to see Rachel McAdams, yeah, getting back to because she, yeah, I guess Mean Girls was her main comedic thing. Mm-hmm. She was in Wedding Crashers, but she wasn't really and funny. the hot chick, but like you know, playing for five minutes in that movie, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and after that, True Detective, I mean, she was she was good in that role in season two. But that was a dark role for her because yeah. she's like fucking everything that walks and she's in a dark place mentally. It was nice to see. Oh, yeah. She can be really bubbly and funny and charming. And uh, and she was in Spotlight. There was a lot of like real oh, yeah. dark things that were going on with roles she was taking. And so, yeah, it was fun to see her very loose in this one. And you're right about the, the way it's shot. It looks amazing. Uh, there's a whole like one take shot in it's here incredible. That's, in, that's incredible in this um it's the kind of shot comedies don't normally take on yeah well, yeah it's awesome because yeah, if you watch your average judd apatow movie or whatever he's like let's put the camera here and we'll light it a certain way and my dialogue will do everything else yep and so like uh it's it is fun it's, it's kind of like uh um it's kind of um uh, edgar wrightish yes yes mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that um that that humor to the way it's edited and shot but still it looks slick as fuck yeah and you're used to comedies being shot almost like tv yeah and and so it was a nice refreshing change of pace i recommend it if you hate it i'm sorry it's only <laughs> 10 bucks in two hours of your life you'll probably get over I, it eventually. i don't think i don't i don't think most people are gonna hate it no i i, I it's it's like I said, I was hoping to laugh a little bit more in this movie, but I've always enjoyed these type of movies. Yeah. Midnight Madness, the, the you know, the, it's a mad, 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 mad world, all these type of movies were, you know, and, and those were mainly uh, uh, the the thing that they're doing. Scavenger hunts. Oh, yeah. These are all scavenger hunt movies. This, this is essentially a scavenger hunt movie, although they 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 sort of that's that's where I diverge a little sure. bit like i wish it had stayed that way especially since they do a real joke riddle that's in there that's impossible to yeah to, yeah. to actually like unless there is an answer i don't no, know but they came up with this, hilarious, like though. i'm dark by day and white by night and i have nine faces and all the <laughs> goes on for like there's like 12 lines it's like literally impossible but i think they only did that because they knew right. that the scavenger hunt was going out the window right, pretty quick right right so it was like it was stuff like that that was really funny and everything um this february man this february's been kicking ass i mean like i said on twitter i can't remember the last time 
that I saw three movies at the theater that were in a row, all A's for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously a streak that's going to end at some point, probably soon. But uh, I'm I'm cherishing it while I mm-hmm. have it. Yeah. It's rare. Um. We don't have a movie ad in this in this uh, in this episode, but on movie, I watched uh, a, a director that I've been meaning to see more of because uh, I saw a couple of his movies in the '90s. This Louis Bunuel, oh is, yeah, yeah. Uh, is a director that I've seen. Uh, I think uh, I've seen Unshin Andalou. That was the, oh, yeah. that's the one that he's really known for, and I think it's. I don't think I ever saw the discreet life of the bourgeoisie, uh, but that's one of his other ones that he's known for or whatever. But a uh, movie was doing this thing with Louis Bunuel and he's, they've got like four of his movies on there. Mm-hmm. And one of them is called that obscure object of desire. And it was his last movie. It came out in 1977. Um, this is such a fun movie. Really? Huh. Oh, it's so fun. Um, it starts off uh, with a, uh, this this guy fernando ray who's in chinatown he's the main bad guy in chinatown oh yeah um who uh is uh breaking up or he's moving on you think from his uh girlfriend and he's uh he's on and and all around him there in this in paris there's terrorism all over the place and louis bunuel is obviously making a a sort of a, a comment on terrorism and our reaction to terrorism and stuff like that. But it's in the fringes. It's not like you're supposed to be like, I'm worried about this terrorism all the time huh. or anything. Uh, but uh, he, he, uh, he gets diverted on a trip and he has to get on a train and uh, he, uh, he takes an action on this train that leads all the people in his passenger car to ask him, why did you do that? And uh, I don't know if I want to tell people because I had no idea this was coming up. It's such an out of nowhere action that uh, if you ever run across this movie, I want you to be surprised by it. Uh, But they ask him why he does this. So he tells this story about this this woman he met. Now, he's way older and this girl's supposed to be 18 or whatever. Um, And he meets her and he falls in love with her. The interesting thing about this character is that she is played by two different actresses throughout the movie. Huh. And they so they have this one actress for certain scenes, and then like he'll get into a car with somebody, and out comes another actress huh. or whatever. And and uh, I was reading some reviews uh, afterwards, and some people were like, "Oh, I thought it was going to be something where there these two women were con women or whatever, and they were conning him, and and that you know they don't look anything alike. It's not like huh. he could confuse uh, one or the other. It's just the way he, Louis Benwell does this is that he is that he's, he casts two different women, and he wants to use one woman for certain scenes, and he wants to use another woman for other type of scenes. Mm. Uh, all the way through this movie, though, he's trying to fuck her and Mm. she will not let him do it like it starts (laughs) off it starts off basically like like they're just kind of friends and and he's trying to be a sugar daddy almost and all this other type of stuff and uh she keeps teasing him like you know oh yeah we're gonna do this uh, just let me just come by tomorrow or whatever and like every time he comes by she's got some other excuse and everything and it keeps going through all this and it's like his whole life is sort of dedicated to trying to have sex with his girl (laughs) and um and uh, he, 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 she keeps on like disappointing him and then finding a way to get him interested and hooked again. And it's so interesting The I mean, it's, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to go too deeply into it because I feel like if you do run across this movie, you'll want to sort of come up with a lot of the interpretations and stuff on your own. It's, it's not exactly like a real abstract movie, but there are abstract things in it 
that you will be forced to sort of give your sort of a, you know, you have to weigh in on what you think about it and everything. Cause that terrorism stuff is ridiculous in the movie. It's, huh. just, it's all around. It's never a part of the plot, but it's, it's always around him and everything. And these, and these groups that keep, they keep naming in the movie and everything are like the, uh, the order of the infant Jesus or something like that. <laughs> you know, obvi- he obviously has a thing about religion in this movie that he keeps bringing a point uh-huh. point about on this too and uh so um it's a really interesting movie um uh that obscure object of desire if you can if you can find it and especially if you're on movie and this is not an ad but i guess it sort of serves as one i'm uh, totally gonna watch it uh definitely watch it and i'm gonna try to watch his other ones that are currently on there too because uh, i feel like he's just one of those type of guys i haven't been able to watch a lot of his movies i haven't had access to them there's so. some godard stuff on there now, yes there too. is yeah. yes there is french cinema baby yeah, man. i'm all in totally time to warn yes i'm gonna go with a warn from a previous podcast a week or two ago that i didn't get to uh and this is a little movie this podcast has talked about called the house oh yeah oh Did, have you ever gone around to watching yep okay um this is a movie that not just chris it looked pretty funny to me too when the trailers came out Yep. Chris was pretty pumped about it, and then on the podcast, looked it up and realized it was getting shitty reviews and was probably a very terrible movie. Now, that's the frame of mind I'm in watching this, so I did laugh more than I expected. Mm-hmm. The biggest laugh in the movie, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this, uh, is near the end when someone is handcuffed to another someone, and Will Ferrell goes to use an axe mm-hmm. to chop the chain of the handcuffs but hits the bad guy on the wrist and chops off his hand. Uh-huh. And it's unexpected, and I blurted out some laughter. But even reflecting on that, I'm like, I've seen that. I've seen that before. Yeah, and it was <laughs> in the trailer. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, but not just that literal one. I've seen that gag before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was done in four rooms. Uh, yeah. The Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, but like t- 20 Han- years ago. Hannibal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Hannibal. And so this, this is really gonna hurt. biggest yeah. laugh for me is a tired joke I've seen done better. And that tells you a lot. Well, and the thing about that that made it fun in the house is the is the Jason Manzukas reaction <laughs> afterwards. The way it, in the trailer it's done is great, but in the movie when it gets to his reaction, it's not nearly as impactful. It's not. It doesn't come up timing wise. Right. It, it's not as funny right but in the trailer it's like that happens the guy's hand gets cut off and then he's like and then he's like let that be a warning to <laughs> all the rest of you <laughs> and uh so and good. uh you know as a as a person who who plays a lot of poker and uh, and and everything i uh, wasn't looking for some like hard-ass rounders movie or a rounders comedy or anything like that uh, but, uh, I was, I was looking forward to this being more about Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler becoming like real, like casino barons in right. this, and that they were going to change in a certain way. They, they kind of do, I guess, but I felt like that could have been, it could have been a great send up of like casino and all that. Yeah. If they had just, if they had really sort of looked back at what they had on this, because obviously it's, it's would be patently ridiculous for him to feel like he's a big fish at all. Right. Running this thing out of his house. Yeah. And I just felt like that would have been a really funny thing to look at more of the characters, those main characters, then look at all these other like 
things that they're doing in the movie and everything. So like, uh, I think that's where they drop the ball. I think. On yeah. That. I mean, I would probably watch Office Christmas Party again before I watch this again. Really? Yeah. And Is Office it, Christmas Party, I've, I'm talking about it way too much because it's not good at all. But it has better laughs and at least a few moments of, of funny that I've, I haven't seen before. Is this another one where they just expect funny people to be funny and carry the it movie? Kind of into it? it kind of is. Or the or the between the combination of the two leads and the premise, we've got all we need. Yeah, we've got all we need. We don't need to script. We don't. The day before, we'll jot some stuff down. We got a loose framework. That's probably how they. Where is Will Ferrell going, man? Because he's doing Daddy's Home, Daddy's Home Two, The House. What has he come out with recently? That his SNL episode was awesome, mm-hmm. but yeah, he hasn't had a maybe, hasn't had a movie exactly. Even Anchorman Two was not good. No, no. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since he's had that real impactful comedy. He needs to go back and start doing Everything Must Go and. Uh, stranger than fiction i would love like to see that will ferrell but, again you yeah. know realize he also had a period of time there after anchorman and all that that was bad too yeah. i mean it was blades of glory and which i kind of semi-pro liked. semi-pro <laughs> i kind of like that too oh uh, yeah yeah um i guess there was always something in those movies uh-huh. that you could hold on to but uh he had a bad streak there in the middle and then did he ever really come back with anything though I guess everything must go in terms of time period wise. I don't think it's great, but it's good. Uh-huh. And then he did that. When, when did he do that? Like telenovela? Oh, oh Casa de Mi Padre. Yeah. Uh, that was, was like, like five years ago. And he also did that one. It was a drama, wasn't it? Like it yeah. was a lifetime. It was a lifetime movie he did with Kristen Wiig. Where they played it straight. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, it was like a bad adoption. Yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. <laughs> it was like one of those type of movies. He did Get Hard. He's got the Lego movie, but Get Hard's knows. bad. Yeah, yeah. Anchorman two, the Lego movie, Get Hard, a deadly adoption. Yeah, I think is what you're talking about. Adoption. Um, bad adoption. Yeah. <laughs> then he did Daddy's Home, Zoolander two, which wasn't good. The House, Daddy's Home two. And he's kind of what's coming up. Uh, the hundred year old man who climbed out the window and disappeared. Hmm. Well, it's an interesting title that they'll probably oh, change. And he's doing that Holmes and Watson thing, that Sherlock Holmes thing. Uh, yeah. with, uh, Who's his co-star? John, John C. Reilly. Reilly. Yeah, That could be really fun. Yeah. 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 So I mean, maybe Step Brothers or Talladega Nights or yeah. something might have been in the last movies. Yeah. And, and he did those sort of in the same time period as Blades of Glory and Semi-Pro yeah. and all that. Um, uh, my my warning, although I don't think very many people, maybe maybe a few people would uh, will go out go back. You know, there's a new Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander coming out uh-huh. in March, and Jeremy was talking about this great string of movies that are coming out. Probably end with that, <laughs> or in Death Wish, and um, um, went back and watched these Angelina Jolie Tomb Raiders that came out. I actually did not see them neither uh, one no uh the 2001 uh one was, came in the period of time that i was not working at a movie theater huh um and the 2003 one i probably didn't watch because i didn't see the first one and what's the point Well, you would have been lost i would have been totally <laughs> lost would have been totally lost well I, it was funny i did that with uh triple x state of the union i had not seen the original triple x oh geez because that also came out in that time period yeah. that i wasn't working and then Triple X State of the Union, I watched that one. Uh, that was a 2005 movie because yeah. I was in the middle of watching all the 2005 movies. <laughs> oh, it's so, so shitty. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible, Which terrible one movie. of the Tomb Raiders is Daniel Craig in? 
that's the first one. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that one of my favorite outtakes of all time are go- is going to involve him in this uh, in this Tomb Raider Excellent. Sins video that I we'll be coming wait. out with. Um, but uh, I went back and, and watched these, and that Tomb Raider, that first one, came out in 2001, and I am seeing so many uh fingerprints of what 2001 action movies are like in that movie um you, you know it's sometimes hard uh, to for us to uh, figure out what uh, what is the thing that makes that decade the deck that the decade that it is uh-huh. you can look at action movies made back then they all have this weird um they they like to do lots of close ups and like weird editing and we we're getting weird weird <laughs> yeah. um, we're seeing we're just you it's Tomb Raider and Triple X and the Fast and the Furious and all these movies that came out back then have this sort of like loose we like the the cutting is all mm-hmm. messed up the the uh the in uh, cradle of life it starts off with a wedding on top of a mountain and then suddenly an earthquake hits and there's like rocks falling in the water nice and and it, and you think okay that we're, we're we're supposed to be worried about the 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 people who are on this mountain and we're supposed to be worried about the earthquake that has that has occurred and like in the middle of this earthquake it's like tomb raider cradle of life <laughs> and, and, and it never goes back to them again Are you serious? never goes back to them again just as just a way to open up the bullshit movie <laughs> that's and, awesome and so yeah you see a lot of the stuff and they like to put in that like that uh, that new metal you know music that was yep. going on back then like every movie has this type of thing yep in it and everything and yeah man uh if you're thinking about watching tomb raider and the tomb raider cradle of life in anticipation of the alicia vikander tomb raider i'm gonna warn you against that did you ever play the game i did i played the first one that game is infuriating yes it is it's one of the, it's one <laughs> give of the, me an action game or give me a puzzle game but don't give me both at once it's one of the hardest <laughs> games i've ever played um i i believe it was playstation that I want, and I played that first one on, and what Jeremy is talking about, there was one, uh, there's one part in there where you have to jump on a platform just so, and like, and if you don't get on it, you fall all the way fucking back down. Yeah, I remember. And like, it's like, uh, and I mean, I, you know, you spend hours doing this. <laughs> Like I'm not like some video game expert here, but damn! And you'd you'd be like, oh, I finally got it, and then like something else went, like some bat would come by and like hit you, and, <laughs> and you'd fallen all the way back down again, and it's you know. You uh, imagine the amount of cursing that Chris was hurling at his TV oh when this was God. going on. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I played that game from a few years ago called The Last of Us. It's very much the same style of game in that the action and the puzzles don't separate themselves mm-hmm. and i made a, like a drunk gameplay through g- gameplay video of the last of us and i spent like an hour trying to figure out how to get up on this ladder only to figure out at the very end i had to go over here and i could push that dumpster that looked like it was not pu- something i could touch and i had to push the dumpster over here and then i could get on the ladder and the action started again i'm like well fucking tell me <laughs> jesus christ i'm trying to jump on top of this ladder and all i had to do was push something over there oh God. by the way cracked has somebody writes some some really good video game uh articles in on cracked uh, find those ones that talk about most impossible things to do in video games ever or whatever. And he'll have like a series of like six things. And there are so many 
where the puzzle like is is in no way obvious yeah. like there is no way you could possibly come up with this on your own <laughs> you know unless i guess you're just spending 24 hours on it and you're just like i'll guess i'll just try any old shit yeah and you finally get it it's the way it was for me playing zork as a kid oh um, zork had this maze that you'd go through and you they sort of like uh, encourage you to map that that maze and remember it's a text game right so you're pre- you're you're saying north and it would be like all right and it's just you're in a maze there are many passages throughout and you'd be like okay so i went north here all right, I'll go east now. And then it's like, you can't go that way. Uh, and it doesn't tell you you can't go that way until you try it. You try it. And then, like, so a few years ago, I, I downloaded the, like, um, whatever, the shareware, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, I, I was like, you know what? I, I'm tired of this. I want, I just give me a walkthrough. I just want to see how this game ends and whatever. So you get through the maze, and the maze is like, at one point, it's like, okay, so go north, north, east, north, north, then go up. Now, here's where it gets weird. Go down. <laughs> and you, you so you have to you're supposed to know that you can go up and then down and then you're not in the same place. Uh. And and like I was like, how did anybody solve yeah, this game? Seriously. How did anybody do it? They must have spent like their entire lives coming up with the answer to this maze. Um anyway. Oh man. Yeah, we had a Zork reference. We did. Yeah, wow. You want to do a couple questions? Yeah, man. Question. Question. I got something to say. I'm listening. If you could turn any live action movie into an animated movie, what movie would it you choose and what style of animation would you want it to be? This listener says uh, their answer would be Pulp Fiction as a 2D Disney style animation. That would be interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I got to say, unexpectedly, I fucking love this question. Oh, yeah. And I probably had five answers that I had that i loved before i came up with my answer that i believe to be the best answer possible uh, so i'll let you guys go first so that i don't <laughs> steal your thunder um so i was thinking for a, for a bit there and i was like some movies are their live action form is they're just way too rad to make into animated movies like t2 or the matrix mm-hmm. or something like that yeah and I mean, they, I guess they've in some way they have animated those stories in, in other forms, but not the movies that I'm talking about. Uh, and, and, uh, but I ended up on Ender's Game um, for this because yeah. I feel like, I feel like the movie they made could have been a lot better if I guess the studio believed in it more yep. because there's something about that movie that feels like they just didn't believe in it or whatever. And they didn't. They didn't allow that to be like a, it should have been a good two hours and 10 minute movie or something like that. Cause there should have been a little bit more of the training sequences and stuff that are in the book. Um, and I'm not a big, like you got to film everything in the book, per- but the way it's in the movie, it comes off uh, a little like slipshod because they have like a couple of training sequences and suddenly he's a fucking master by yeah. the end of it. So it, it, it doesn't make much sense. So I'm going to end up on that. I did I did for a moment briefly think it's like how dirty would Basic Instinct be <laughs> as an animated film in the style of heavy metal? Yeah, it would be dirtier than heavy metal, well, sure, I think. Sure. Like even even though heavy metal's got nudity and sex in it and everything like that, go out and see it kids, it's got nudity <laughs> and sex. Uh you think about some of the scenes and the way they're shot in Basic Instinct. Imagine those animated. That's like there's a little extra like dirtiness to that. Now, I wonder, you know, after heavy metal and like what was it, Fritz the Cat or something yeah. like that, that had 
it was like raunchy animation there for a while in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. and it feels like besides something like sausage party we're not really getting that much anymore i'm sure there's a lot of it in anime uh yeah. but we don't get it in the states very often i think there's a there's a part of the population that is glad that that isn't a regular thing because cartoons generally are considered children's entertainment and the fact that they i mean you know i think it was even on even on ted they had to give a warning and say this is not for kids yeah. do not bring your kid into this yeah. the same don't, thing with sausage party yeah don't don't like come complain to us later <laughs> that you thought it was for kids but that's what they have to go through in order to do this so you know if an, if there is an animated movie that comes out with all this type of stuff they're gonna have to like really make sure that kids don't watch it and stuff <laughs> yeah. so i think that's why they kind of died out yeah i always think that absurd comedies could be even absurder like mm-hmm. with with oh, animation yeah. so things with uh, that have visual gags like blazing saddles for yeah. whatever reason blazing saddles uh paired with like the did you guys ever see the tv funhouse stuff on snl yep. oh, yeah um, where they would be you know, fun with audio or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Robert Smigel and uh, somebody else that does the animation. Uh, but I could see something like Blazing Saddles or like this broad comedy in that sort of animation, like yeah. screwball type of, you know, puffs of smoke or, as they run somewhere yeah. this way or that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could even do something like Anchorman animated and make it even crazier. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd like to that's see. Like, that's nice. I yeah. like it. Yeah. All right. So mine is the, it's, I want Hot Fuzz. Yeah. In the style of Ardman's Wallace and Gromit animation. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now, there's a couple reasons. Both of these franchises get British humor yes. dead on. <laughs> and I also think there's a sensibility there, a comic kinship in this, in this between Edgar Wright and Nick Park. Is it Nick Park at Ardman? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's Nick Park's yeah, the guy that runs that. Um, and I just think the gags from Hot Fuzz done in the gag style of the claymation wallace and gromit action scenes and would be balls out awesome it would be awesome by the way i'm going to go ahead and disclaimer this because i know somebody out there is going to be like you realize those assholes are british right that's why they get the british comedy right blah blah oh, blah yes I do. Yeah, yeah so anyway there's a fucking disclaimer <laughs> but there's something i mean british humor has always been like a pretty tough to really crack for americans uh, for most of us we can think it's funny, but like describing it, understanding it, mm-hmm. it's two different things. Um, but I can say with authority, I, I know both of those people get British humor right in, in, a, in a way that British people can appreciate and non-British people can mm-hmm. appreciate. I just love the idea because Hot Fuzz is having so much fun, especially with the visuals and all the shit in the background. And you think of the attention to detail from Walls and Gromit stuff. Uh, I just think it's, no, a good it's perfect the, marriage. It's the rural environment, too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. can you imagine the end of Timothy Dalton's character <laughs> yeah, I, in, I, that, I, in that style of animation. I was thinking about the the guy who gets uh, the uh, the church spire like into his the, the reporter. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. I was thinking about when Dalton like falls on that that model mansion thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, There's a couple of church impalings in this movie. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, maybe your first question from Taiwan. Mm. I believe it is. Probably. Uh, The question is this. What moment in a movie where a character makes an inexplicably stupid decision, and no matter how many times you watch the movie, it always blows your mind? 
Uh, this was in, inspired by watching The Great Escape recently, where two characters are so close to freedom by posing as Germans, but when boarding a bus, a German officer catches them off guard by saying good luck to them, and one of them responds in English. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you guys think? Oh, that's a good question. I like it a lot. Um, the, the first thing that came to my mind was Kirk and Ratha Khan when they first approach the Reliant, which is now manned by Khan and his crew, but Kirk doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. And... They're not getting any radio signals from Reliant. And Kirk even says, this is damn peculiar. And he even has that Vulcan trainee girl, Kirstie Alley, who reminds him about the Starfleet regulation. (laughs) If you can't establish communications, you should put up your shields. And she gets scolded for reminding Kirk what to do. And then people die because they get fired on because he didn't put his shields up when he should have. It's one of the stupidest. I mean... Kirk is, in most cases, rightfully praised for being a, a smart character, at least a street smart character who finds clever ways out of situations. But this is just a colossally stupid, yeah. stupid move. I feel like you could have written it better so that they could have been surprise attacked in a way that didn't make Kirk look like a bonehead. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, he even says afterwards casually, because like, you did it, sir. And he's like, I did nothing except get cut with our britches down. And I'm like, yeah, and all the dead people down below in engineering. Hey, yada, yada, make, a lot make of people your, deaths. Yeah, in, yeah. In make your movies. jokes, Kirk. Uh, <laughs> the other one I thought of I wanted to mention is in Edge of 17, when Haley Steinfeld's character sends that X-rated text to the guy she has a crush on. Mm-hmm. All everything about that moment doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it's just it's stupid that she would type it out on her phone like that and get more than two words before realizing this is a bad idea. It's stupid that a teenager doesn't know her phone well enough that she can accidentally hit send after she's typed all this shit about I want to blow you or whatever. Mm-hmm. That whole moment is just stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> and I realize emotional teenagers do stuff. I'm just saying, you know, get a journal, paper and pen. And write down all your sexual thoughts about the crush guy. Absolutely no risk you're ever going to accidentally send that shit. You know what's weird about that? Doesn't she? Isn't she kind of like surprised when he makes a move on her during their date? Like it yes. seems like she's. Well, she's like, oh, that was unexpected when she sent him. Uh, not that I'm saying that she. No, I don't think she's be. surprised he makes a move. I think she realizes in the moment she doesn't want that. And then is surprised that he is less than cooperative. Okay, well that makes more sense. I for whatever reason. Because I think I, they start thinking, kissing like completely willingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's when he tries to like climb on top of her and stuff that she starts to realize. And I think that's totally fair. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, she should have expected him to expect something, and he should back off when she changes her mind. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. one thing to have those type of fantasies, but it's another thing to be actually in the moment and Yeah you know, whether or not you really want to go through with it once it gets to that point. It's one thing to want to sleep with more tyranny. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's another thing to actually go through with it when you find yourself in a scenario where that would be possible. Oh, Maybe Angela Lansbury would be available. <laughs> liar, liar, more ty- tyranny, man. There's nothing she does in there that's sexy. The man, do I love her in that movie? I love she me. She sure some- can slice a birthday cake. She, she can. She can. She does. They start making out like as soon as the uh, the lights go off mm-hmm. during that last birthday scene. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like they can't wait until you know after the party. I don't know. To get it on. Movie's got to oh. tell you that they're back together somehow. All right, so the two dudes in Star Wars on the Death Star that don't shoot the escape pod when it goes down. <laughs> that go, is Wait classic. a minute. <laughs> so Hold your fire. Up. There's no life forms on board. Okay, <laughs> I guess we are stockpiling ammunition and everything. Yeah, they're we lasers. Are. They're not the Death Star, but it's on the, the big ship at the beginning yeah, and everything. Yeah. And like, 
uh, it just never has made sense. I think even as a kid, I was like, so what are you, <laughs> are you like rationing it or something? Or is, is well, people, and they're looking people, for plans. They're looking for information. It happens yeah, to be launching right? a life form. <laughs> right. I mean, are they, are, it's back home. Are there like, you know, women in the factories, you know, making bullets and stuff. Oh, yeah. and they yeah. just, you know, they're like trying to like make sure that we can't build, we can't uh, use metal and all the normal things we used to. <laughs> Got to use those for bullets. So don't shoot, don't shoot anything if you don't think there's life forms on it. Um, another one that I thought of was uh, Matthew Modine in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, when he's in, they're chasing after Bane, and there's that big Wall Street heist and everything, and he's like, "Hey, I can go after Batman instead." Yeah, and you're like, "Fuck you, dude! What the <laughs> fuck is this all about?" Doesn't he give a rationalization like, "This is my only chance to to get Batman"? Well, or no, something. he it says, doesn't make it any. It's pride. This is my chance to do what Jim Gordon never could. Do. Oh, I've yeah, seen yeah. this movie too many times. Um, but the the movie even chastises him because <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt's like, "Sir, what about the armed robbers?" <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing that kills me is like I I understand in this world that somebody might be like that. But seriously, yeah. like you think you're going to get Batman during the middle of all this. <laughs> like, can we can we focus on the criminals first? Yeah. <laughs> but not to mention, nobody's ever gotten Batman. Yeah. I exactly. mean, <laughs> this movie actually has a few moments like this because the decision to send every able-bodied cop down into the sewers is right. one of the most colossally dumb things ever yeah. committed to film. So we'll, let's talk about sneakers again. Okay. Uh, we'll do a double sneaker take this episode. Mm-hmm. Man, the whole end of the movie doesn't happen if Mary McDonald doesn't say, this is the last time I go on a computer date. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know? You're right. And yes, it's kind of, you know, silly that Ben Kingsley would make that connection. You know, hey, computer pad him with her no yeah, not yeah. a chance and then he takes that next leap to see oh it's got to be martin and then he goes into his office and then he finds this whole thing and it sets up the whole rest of the movie but she if she why is it so hot that, in here yeah. why is it so hot in here um well if she doesn't say anything right there they are they got done they've got it he's up in in the thing he's he's about to come out she goes out everybody goes home there's a chance that they may actually get their back to the home base before the NSA shows up, unless James Earl Jones and his crew is already there. I will say that, yes, as you described it there, that it's weird that he makes all this leap, that Martin is behind it and all this other type of stuff. However, I think in his brain, he's thinking, well, then why was the card stolen and why was it used to get into these rooms and all that? Because you see that throughout the thing, the right. Werner Brandis is used on the you know these rooms and he's like wait a minute like the card is you know like yeah. why was that being used and because she actually puts it back into his mm-hmm. his wallet right yeah yeah, yeah 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 so like uh i, I think that's I think that might have been part of it and everything but you're right i think that is my least favorite part of that movie all right is her saying that i'm gonna defend it all right <laughs> i feel like the movie is saying she and martin used to date it's definitely saying that but I feel like it's saying back in the day when he was doing more criminal type behaviors and pranks and dabbling the CIA talking mm-hmm. because there's history there with the Russian guy, the diplomat, and he remembers them as a couple. Right. And when she, when he goes to her, the first time you see her in sneakers, she's like, no, I don't want anything to do with your boys club. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I need you to come explain. She's not been in this life for a while. She's a piano teacher. She got out of it. Yeah. 
and he pulls her into this last heist. She's rusty. She's trying to ad lib to keep the character going right there at the end, but she's out of practice. Yeah. So a uh, uh, fine tuned her would have known to say something like, that's the last blind date I ever go on. And yeah. she'd have been out of there, but she's not used to being undercover. It's, it's, well, I know. I, don't, I just don't know why she says anything there. I don't know. I just want to defend the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a dumb thing that she says that. She doesn't have to say anything. The, that, that she even feels the need to ad-lib something there is probably the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, later on, when he goes, when Cosmo goes into his office and everything, he has to announce, why is it so hot in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. He's in that profile. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, keep going to the Sincast presented by CinemaSins Facebook page. Keep going to SoundCloud. Keep going to Reddit. Go in a lot of places that you can tell us what we what you thought How's about the this Reddit episode. game going these days. I haven't checked that recently. Good. It's been a while since somebody's posted a video hating on us. Nice. That's sort of how I measure how the Reddit thing is going these days. <laughs> do, do, do you think they finally just don't care? Well, the last several people that have posted there have been told by the regulars, why do people keep posting this stuff here? We don't like they, all those get downvoted to oblivion. So I think uh, they, they've just learned. They'll post it somewhere. Go post it to our movies, which is a hundred times bigger a sub, and they hate us already. So <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're preaching stuff. the choir in there. That's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. You want to know how weird cultures are and different cultures are? Mm -hmm. I just read an article today about a movie that opened this weekend in China, and it's the number three opening in all, all time in China. Hmm? It's a movie called <laughs> Detective Chinatown Two. Hmm. Oh, that's the that's the American or the English version, I suppose. Yes, I'm sure it's not the title in China. That's the translation, but it's a sequel to <laughs> <laughs> Detective Chinatown One, right? <laughs> and it's these two cops. It's kind of like it looks like Rush Hour. They're in New York City. It was shot all in New York City. Oh, really? Made almost five hundred million dollars in China. You ever heard of this? No. no. That's my point. Wow. Interesting. What entertains them, what entertains us, ain't always the same thing. I did. I, did I wonder s- if it's any good. I, I don't know. Run across that title at some point for some reason. Probably that, but I didn't read the, whatever it was. <laughs> I saw. Oh, Chinatown. somebody's just uh, gonna go ahead and glom off the Chinatown, huh? And just make a movie <laughs> called that, huh? Mongolia eighteen. Mm. 18 in Mongolia, huh? And which is less than Kazakhstan, which is 21. Hmm. Hmm. Uzbekistan, one. One? <laughs> one in Uzbekistan. Iran, one. Oh, you see, now, when it, when it gets to the one, I wonder if it's on purpose. <laughs> Why? Like, maybe it's an accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Botswana is two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well there that has to be on purpose yeah yeah for sure once it gets past one it's like a couple where it's like honey you need to listen to this yeah. <laughs> download it on your phone you can't have mine i've been watching a lot of old shit like uh watch vanilla sky again last night oh yeah i need to see that again oh that talk about answering questions vanilla sky wraps up a lot more neatly than i remember I was watching mm-hmm. that the other day. yeah i watched it last night and uh like it, it basically 
it comes out and it, tells you Kurt exactly Russell, what's going on. Kurt Russell tells you the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and then tech uh, support. <laughs> by the way, that use of uh, good vibrations is yes. like one of my favorite things ever. By the way, that's one of my favorite outtakes ever. Was when we did uh, when Captain America wakes up at the end of Captain America and he's running through the building and we did the Vanilla Sky thing where he's like, it's a nightmare! And then he goes out into New York and the spinning's around and he's got, I'm thinking of... That's a good movie. I also saw Mission Impossible 2. Oh, oh, what the boy. fuck? Why? Because uh, it, it was on stars. And oh. I was like, is this really as bad as I remember? It is worse so than I remember. random. I was, uh, yeah, oh my God, when we send that movie, I, I realize, I remember it not being good. Right. The sin part of it, I was like, Jesus, how did this go wrong? Oh my the God. The first Mission Impossible is great. And then the second one, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to blame John Woo or just American Studios or what, but... Mm. It's like it's like woo times. I blame DeGray Scott. <laughs> yeah, DeGray Scott. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah, he's like holding his own against Ethan in the last <laughs> fight. <laughs> And Isn't like Anthony he Hopkins in that movie too. Yeah, yeah. They don't call it Mission Hod, Mr. Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go to KFC? Yeah. Bastard. Oh, I uh no. I love me some KFC. Really? Yeah. Oh man. I did watch also watched Major League. Oh, and nice. I saw that part where where Tom Berenger brings in the bucket of KFC oh, yeah. to Dennis Hayes because he wanted to sacrifice a live chicken. Yeah. Like, a whole chicken, just as promised. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks at it like... <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, 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 I hate myself every time I go to KFC. Oh, no. Don't. Mm. All, All right. right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Flavin. And from music video sins, Barrett Sher. Flavin, Flavin, Flavin. <laughs> By the way, that was like the worst introduction. By the way, did I also talk over you on that intro? Is it going to be like one of these things where we're going to hear your voice right at the beginning, and I'm going to be like, "Welcome to the Sincast." I think I can get it, but why don't we do it again? Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Just be, you know, because especially since you don't like your intro and everything. (laughs) All right, I'll come up with something. Do you ever uh, think about these things ahead of time? Not usually. When he starts talking, I usually go, "What should I do?" And, uh, yes, hello world indeed. That's what you came up with? Uh, yeah, well, I was just thinking about the map. I guess it's the... better than flavor, flavor, flavor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the song from Beverly Hills Cop, Shakedown. Oh, yeah. Who did that? It was somebody weird. It was like Joe Cocker or something like that. Oh, I think it's, I think you're right. Uh, sorry. Shakedown. Isn't that the thing? Shakedown. Uh, breakdown. Everybody's gonna get. Okay. Whatever. If wow. it's Joe Cocker, I'm fine. Oh, Bob Seger. Uh, ah, they're essentially ah, the same person, though. Ah, they are. Ah, <laughs> ah, 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 ah.